Across the UK, online and on DAB. Access all radios. Talk radio. Give it some lip. Talk radio. Busy, busy show. We got Louis Barth talking about Neil Shand and classic comedy. After 11, uh, we've got Professor Joe Lavens on to talk about those mysterious new planets. And in between those, your phone calls. 0344 499 1000. Late nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. It's an obscure one. It's a very obscure one. Anyone? Guys? Anyone? Oh, it's an obscure one to kick off with, isn't it? Good evening, dear listener. My name is Ian Lee. Uh, This is uh, Late Nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Thank you to Baldy and the Tramp as they um, waft out of here in um, what can only be described as a stench. Busy, busy show this evening. After 11, we've got Professor Joseph Lavens on uh, to talk about the new planets and to uh, talk about the possibilities of uh, there being life on those planets. And also, he'll be taking your calls. And he, t- he knows everything about um, UFOs, the supernatural, or the occult. And he's a scientist, and he has studied these things and can answer any of your questions. So that's coming up. Before that, though, before that, um, fans of Twitter, fans of swearing, fa- fans of anger... Fans of people being told exactly where to go uh, might be interested in uh, my next guest. Um, it's a gentleman called Louis Bath, who is a... Well, he's a... Uh, I'm going to describe you as an expert on British comedy, Louis, but, and I know that's quite lazy, but you'll just have to deal with it, I'm afraid. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that you put me straight on after all that fake news so I can give your listeners some truth. Well, that's what you say, you yeah. cuck snowflake. I know. I'm standing in front of my mat, for God's sake. <laughs> did you recognise the theme tune I played? I did. Do you want me to give it away? Yeah, or no, what? go on, because the, 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 the idiots listening won't know. Kelly Monteith. And, of course, it's that great Ronnie Hazelhurst thing of, you can sing the title. Yeah. Kelly Monteith. Kelly Monteith. I, I think me and my sister are the only people that remember the Kelly Monteith show. It came out about, about 1981, 82. Yeah. And, um... Actually, earlier, 79, I think, is started. Really? Yeah, but it all came through because Kelly Monteith... At that time, Des O'Connor had the big BBC Two chat show where all the American comics came over and, you know, people, Letterman, Leno and all that did their first British TV on the Des O'Connor show. And Neil Shand was the script associate. Yeah. And after the... uh, Kelly Monteith was one of these American comics who broke on the Des O'Connor show. And after that, Jim Moyer, head of light entertainment, uh, said... Well, we'll give you a series, and uh, we'll put it together with Neil Shand, who you work with on the Monkhouse show. Yeah. And they did this sitcom, which is very, very Gary Shandling. Yeah, it really is. It's because he, he he's talking to the camera a yeah. lot, and he he go then he goes off and acts in a scene, and then comes out of the scene. Yeah. We I, I was about well, I would have been about 
eight or nine, and my six, we, we, were, we were the first family, Louis, in my street to get a, a, a video recorder. But oh. it was it was stolen, and we weren't allowed to tell anyone we had one, and it was hidden behind the sofa. But, um, so we would tape the Kelly Monteith show, yeah. um, and then watch it the next morning before school. And it was, all I can remember is one episode where he had a waterbed, and it was all... <laughs> It was all that kind of stuff about dating and, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, that was later on, because in the first series, right. his wife was Gabrielle Drake. Oh, Nick wow. Luke's sister, yeah. and also who was Nicola... What's her name? In Crossroads. In Crossroads, of course, on. yes. Um, and it was all about um, their marriage, you know, an American married to an English woman, and, oh, comedy ensues. And then later on, there was the going through the divorce, and then there was the dating stuff. And the oh. one memory I have yeah. was from the one of the latest series, about 84, where he goes to a party, and he's trying to be hip. And it's the time of, uh, you know, Choose Life t-shirts and Frankie Says t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. And he turns up at a party. Everyone's wearing Frankie Says Relax t-shirts. He turns up with a t-shirt saying X-Lax. <laughs> <laughs> is it what, what what happened to Kelly Monteith? Is he still yeah, around? He's back in America d- doing gigs. Yeah, he's still he's still doing the circuit. He's probably doing a lot of corporate stuff. Um, but no, he, he's, he's still active. Yeah, Catherine. Kelly Monteith. Let's see if we can get him on the show. Oh, Let's that'd be great. Yeah, wouldn't it, actually? Wouldn't it? Let's try and get Kelly Monteith on the show. And there's another great Kelly Monteith show yeah. um, that I can't claim to remember. I've seen it since. And it's um, he has the, this bit in it about, and it's the whole thing of if you want to get important people or self-important people down to your level, imagine them naked. And he's in some kind of job interview. And the person on the other side of the table is Frank Thornton, Captain Peacock. Oh, yes, of course. And there's a brief flash frame of Captain Peacock sitting behind a desk <laughs> naked with a red nose on. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, listen, the reason... We, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by you, Louis, and we've had communications on Twitter, and this is we the have. first time we've ever spoken. It and um, uh, you sound posher than I imagined. Ah. Oh, are you doing your radio voice, or is this actually how you speak? Um, it's actually how I speak. Wow, good for you. I, uh, um, yeah, for, for many years working on private eye, I passed through a public school, but I <laughs> went to a comprehensive. Um, well, yeah, listen, well, the, 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 the business that we're going to plug is this wonderful yeah. evening you're doing in Hull, an evening with Neil Shand. It's on the 12th of March. Uh, and I'll tweet all the links and we'll, we'll do all that stuff, of course. Uh, I don't know how big we are in Hull, Louis, but you never know. Um, this is part of the, the Hull, um, the, the, the um, city it of culture. culture. And it's also part of a festival called Heads Up. Uh, it's all put together by a great guy called Dave. Lee, who's a writer and all-round genius, and he knows Neil and knows me, and he said, do you know Neil Shand? And I said, um, well, we've spoken on the phone years and years ago, and I had to get clearance to use something in a book, um, but, um, yeah, but he said, well, we want to do a night with him as part of the City of Culture year. He lives, he lives, he lives up in Lincolnshire, lives on the banks of the Humber, yeah. and, um, we, we want to get him in, and we want you to do it. Oh, yeah, cry, cracky, get wow. me in. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, I've been doing little bits and pieces for um, the Royal Television Society in Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, the great Lisa Holdsworth, who who wrote the Midsummer Murders, where Martin McCutcheon got murdered with cheese. <laughs> um, <laughs> I miss. I must have missed that one. Yeah, no, that happened. She yes. wrote it, and um, Lisa organises all the. Um, Royal Television Society stuff up there, and 
ages and ages ago, she said, um, Barry Cryer's coming up, um, will you interview him on stage? We had a great night in Leeds. Um, basically, the thing is, you don't interview Barry Cry. You say, "Well, tell us about." No, you you, you just you just push him, and away he yeah. goes for an hour oh, and yeah. a half. Wow, yeah. what a great gig, though. Yeah, mind you, mind you, I had a great night with Barry at the National Film Theatre years ago. It was an Everett night. Yeah. They're showing some Everett stuff, and and you know when you do a panel, there's always someone who wants to ask the longest, cleverest question. Yeah, yeah. And there was this guy at the front row, and he there's this two minute long question with lots of you know, clauses and <laughs> digressions and whatever. Now Barry, his hearing isn't what it was. Yeah. And he turned to me and said, what did he say? And I turned around to him and said, he asked, was it different at Thames? <laughs> <laughs> and the bloke in the front row was looking daggers at me. But that was his That was question. the question. There is, you're right, we went, Kath and I went to see, um, Limmy, um, yeah. uh, at the Curzon. The Great Limmy. Um, the Great Limmy, and he was showing an hour, it was, it was psychedelic and migraining, migraine inducing, but he was showing an hour of his vines. So these seven yeah. second things. <laughs> and the first question, uh, the fella, it was one of those questions that went on for three minutes, and we were all sat there kind of just going, oh my god, well you just, just get to the question yeah. mark, just get to the, the three words at the end that ask him um a question now neil shand is um it's a name that a lot of people probably won't recognize but 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 he has written for everybody hasn't he yes he has uh the two ronnies frost he was he was spike milligan's collaborator all through q and all that he he basically was the person who spike loved having someone on you know for many years it was eric sykes so, um, for a long time, it was John Antrobus. So Spike loved collaborating right. as long as the collaborator was simpatico. And Neil Shand, I think, was the longest serving. And it, it, there's a gorgeous documentary from the early 70s, why I think it's um, One Pair of Eyes or something, one of those BBC Two things yeah. in the early 70s. And it shows um, Spike and Neil Shand collaborating, which they did for years. They wow. Just, um, and, and, you know, in those collaborations... You know, someone like Neil Shand, he could write, you know, the topical stuff for Bob Monkhouse, and he could also slip into the surreal Milligan stuff. He's one of these people who's endlessly versatile comedy writer. And, you know, when I said I was doing the gig, David Quantic said, oh, I worked with him on Saturday Zoo. And, you know, that was in the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. Did he ever work on any stuff that you did he no he didn't i i, I was I, he i mean the, the 11 o'clock show was the thing that i did that had the most writers and we, we just they just got kids to do it to, to to fax stuff in so no i don't think i've ever um come across him i've not been blessed by working with someone as as, as skilled and as as good as that what i always imagine that spike milligan wrote his stuff on his own how how would how would neil or how would it, how would they have worked together well, it, it was a lot of give and take in that relationship, and, and with the Eric Sykes one as well. What would happen was that if Spike was having a bad day and the stuff needed to be done, Sykes or Neil Shan yeah. could keep the throughput going. Right. And be, you know, write Milligan to the point where Spike couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Wow. Who, who wrote what? Because they were so close. Um, but what, what, uh, Neil started out on D time. He was writing stuff for now. Simon I D. am fascinated.
by Simon D. I, oh, I, so am I. I, I'm absolutely fascinated. I've seen the, the, the documentaries yeah. that were made, and I've read that, that slightly clunky book. And yeah. in fact, I got, I got so obsessed with him, I, I found his son on, on YouTube, and I got in touch with his son saying, I'd love to interview him. This was years ago. Yeah. And literally the day after, it was announced that he died. Literally yeah, the day I, after. I, I was, I was in, in correspondence with him about um, going to see him for a book I was writing yeah. called Turned Out Nice Again, History of Light Entertainment. And he died while I was doing that, and it was tremendously sad, but I'm not sure I would have got a great deal no. of sense or usable material, because, you know, I, th- I think he'd become quite paranoid and bitter he about it. He was very obtuse. I mean, for those who yeah. don't know, Simon D, D-Time, in the late 60s, it was the hippest... Um, the chat show, it was like a, a sort of tea time chat show, wasn't it? And it he would have all, all was, the big stars on. Billed in the radio time as the Saturday evening scene. Wow, man. Yeah. And he was, he was huge, and, and hardly any of it survives, apart from a brilliant clip of Sammy Davis Jr. on there. Yeah. But there's hardly, all the tapes were of course wiped. And he got a little bit too big for his boots, didn't he? And, and, yeah. and t- 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 followed the money to LWT, oh. where he flopped miserably. Well, you know why he flopped at LWT. Go on. He flopped at LWT because who had a ma- massive shareholding in the company? David Frost. Yeah. So David Frost wasn't going to let him have any of the good guests for right. his chat show. Yeah. You don't need two chat, chat shows on a, sh- on a station that's broadcasting three, three days a week. Yeah. So basically he was squeezed out by Frost. I mean, when he went to LWT, he went to Bill Cotton and said, I've been offered this to go to LWT. Are you going to match it or beat it? And Bill Cotton said, no, I'm going to offer you a pay cut. <laughs> and he said, why? He said, you won't last five minutes at LWT. Yeah, yeah. I'm testing your loyalty. You've got a job here at the BBC. Mm. You've got a show here at the BBC. You've got a career here at the BBC. Could have been legendary. And he said, if you go to LWT, that's it. You, you're finished. And so it was. Same thing that happened to Christine Bleakley, isn't it? When she um, left the one show. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know that she's... <laughs> Maybe not. Some of the stuff I know about Simon. But the, but I the, don't think Christine Blakely's gone. Well, she didn't end up being a bus driver. I mean, because uh, fair play to him, because he, cause he couldn't, driver, couldn't get a gig. costume jeweller. Yeah. Fascinating guy, fascinating guy. And career. then when... And we'll get back to Shandon in a minute. But, yeah. but the thing that fascinated me is that every sort of few years, he'd get thrown a lifeline. He'd get offered a gig at Radio 2 or something. Oh, that was the 60s. And, the and, presenter of that, wasn't it? and straight away, yeah. it, instead of be, you know being grateful and yeah. uh, you know, it, it, straight away he'd start kicking off and and thinking he was bigger than the show, yeah. and he'd last three or four weeks and made himself unemployable, like like you know several well, podcasters that are out there now. You know the documentary, um, yes, and Victor Lewis Smith. Victor Lewis Smith, in, the name escaped me. Yes, of course. In God preserve, um, Victor put the documentary together and also re- did a one-off special yeah. of detail. It's all on YouTube, guys, and it's it's worth checking out. And by all accounts, it, all of the old arrogance came back, you know, you know years in the wilderness, straight away, yeah. he was... And the, th- and the thing is, Tony Blackburn saw Simon D in action mm. in a TV studio once, and just saw how he annoyed people. Yeah. And Tony Blackburn said, I must never do that. Wow. And that, that's why Tony Blackburn's lasted. Yeah, he just yeah. L- looked at Simon D and said, no, no, that's not how you do it. 
Now, a mate of mine, who was a cameraman at the BBC, said, Simon D had a face you couldn't focus on. (laughs) My mate, Roger Bunce, lovely, lovely man, cameraman at Television Centre for years. And people used to say to me, what are you talking about? You you can focus on anything. He said, no, 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 no. There's there's something about the features. You could get the suit in focus and the face would be out. You could get the nose in focus and the cheeks would be out. He said, years and years later, he said, I was lecturing at Ravensbourne College, and uh, one of the other lecturers was from LWT. And I mentioned this, and he said, yeah, we had the same trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. But so, let's, so, so Neil Shand, let's, I remember we were here to, to talk about something. Yeah, Neil Shand. Um, well, Neil Shand was one of the people on... Um, D time. Yeah. You know, he was the one writing the top, the topical gags, and and then he went on to do loads of stuff for Frost. Now, Frost was that that opened the door for everyone. And you look at the credit list for those Frost chat shows. Yeah. Barry Cryer calls it the War Dead because it looks like a war <laughs> memorial as the credits go. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, but Neil Shand was on there, and um, years and years ago, for for this same book, turned out nice again, William G. Stewart was one of the directors yeah. on Frost, and he said, we worked out that that Frost office was so well-connected. So, you know, you had people like Neil and Barry Cryer in comedy and light entertainment. You had people like um, Tony J and Clive Irving in politics and all that. He said, we worked out that between us, there were only five people we couldn't get to directly. Fantastic. One phone call straight yeah, through. Yeah. He said, and that was the Queen, the US President, Ho Chi Minh, <laughs> Khrushchev, and de Gaulle. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? I mean, it, it, you, the, yeah. you look at the, the talent that worked on those shows, oh, yeah. The Frost Report and Frost on Sunday, the, just yeah. just in, incredible amount of talent. And that's the thing about Frost. People look at, how did Frost rise without trace and all that? He just surrounded himself with mm. brilliant people, paid them well and let them get on with it, invited them to these lavish parties. Mm. God, mm. Frost's parties were legendary. And just basically was a smashing bloke, and apart unless you were Peter Cook. Well, this is what I was going to say, of course, because Peter Cook. Well, when Frost, Frost yeah. Peter Cook used to was David Frost his fag at, at, at school or something, or they, they he no, used to bully no, him or something, um, didn't he? It was at Cambridge, right? And Frost was a couple of years below, and Peter Cook was so fantastically trailblazing and influential. Mm that basically, for a while, everyone who went through Cambridge did a Peter Cook tribute act, and Frost was the most obvious. Yeah. And and it was what they called him the bubonic plagiarist. (laughs) And And then the the famous, you know, have you any regrets? Saving David Frost from drowning, and, and Cook was was busy, you know, being a success in America on Broadway, yeah. and yeah. Um, and and David Frost sort of snuck in and took his place over here. And um, yeah. did it? Did was that? Was Cook bitter throughout his life about David Frost? No, I don't think Cook was bitter about anything. I think Cook just had an enormously fun time, mm. and I think the bitter, no bitterness. I don't know if anything. I think he was a tiny bit bitter about Dudley becoming yeah. the great success in Hollywood and also about 
Dudley's musical talent. Peter Cook wanted to be a pop star, but didn't have a musical bone in his body. Oh, that, so- that song that he does in be- in Bedazzled, yeah. though, You Fill Me With Inertia. Dream the Wedge and the Vegetation. Oh, it's just... I mean, it's he superb. looks so... He, he looks so beautiful, and so is... It's a wonderful scene in a fantastic Filmed film. on the Ready Steady Go set. Was it really? Yeah. It re- if you've never seen the original Bedazzled, and of course not that nonsense that had that um, lady in it. The only Bedazzled. The only Bedazzled, thank you. It is, it was a re- that, that and the Magic Christian, when oh, I was yeah. at college, they were, they were the films that when we were, you know, a little bit fuzzy headed late at night, we'd just put those on repeat. I was doing a, I was doing a job with Bob Mortimer and his business partner, Lisa. Um, and uh, we were talking about something. I said, oh, that reminds me of the Magic Christian. And Lisa said, have you seen the Magic Christian? I went, yeah. She goes, do you like it? I said, that's one of my favourite films. She goes, oh, my dad directed that. Joe McGraw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Lisa, oh. Lisa Clark is his daughter. I was, and I'd worked with her for ages. And she just said, oh, yeah, my dad uh, my dad directed that. And, you know, he was a bit disappointed. Get Joe on the show. Yeah, do you know what? That's you know, that's an excellent idea. That, oh, my God. That stories, is a movie. The stories. He's got all the stories. I'll, I'll see if we can... I'll, I'll reach out. Uh, reach out. I just said horrible Americanism. I'll send Lisa a text and see if um, see if he'll be up for that, because oh, that would be... Um, of course he would. would course is he, would. he, he, a, is he a good old storyteller? The fridge door opens. Sorry? He does ten minutes act <laughs> when the fridge door opens. <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right, well, I'll get him on. He'll, he'll be on next week. It's as simple as that. That's how this show works, Louis. You, well, that would be so we, good. Just, uh, anyway... Neil Shand! quite a run with the Tommy Cannons and the Bernie Clifton. Hey, honestly, the... the oh, Bernie, um, Bernie... I, I don't know Tommy only from the work and everything, but yeah. Bernie is the sweetest man. I was, I was con- concerned about Bernie, because uh, I, for some reason, I picked up, and I don't know where this came yeah. from, that he could be a little bit arch and a little bit difficult. Do you know what it was? Go on. It was that documentary... The Entertainers. Series. Early 2000s. It was just after the Louis Thoreau stuff. It was a series called The Entertainer. Yeah, yeah. And it was quite sneery. This is what I said to him. I mentioned that to him, and I said I thought it had a bit of a tone about yeah. it. And he, he worked that out and played them at their own game. Yeah. Oh, good. No, he's the nicest man. He really is. And and I know some people will be going, Bernie Clifton, are you sure? Honestly, no. guys, next week when we play that, it's 35 minutes you are not going to want to miss. He was I charming, hilarious, and I didn't mention the ostrich once. Oh. If you... God, I, I interviewed Bernie in his dressing room at Lowestoft Marina. Yeah. Um, while he was packing his props away, and he, no one works harder. No one does more with props. Yeah. Um, that you know the giant robot, the giant inflatable robot, and everything. If you've never seen Bernie Clifton on stage, you must see him. You know, Bernie Clifton, Ken Dodd, Roy Hudd. If you get a chance to see any of them, go and do it. Yeah, they're fantastic. It- and Ber- Bernie, he said, "Oh God, I remember the d- the day Oswald. It's called Oswald, yeah. and he calls it the chicken. He said mm. the day the chicken arrived. Um, uh, it was at Coventry Hippodrome." And the, um, I put it on, and I went out in the one-way system, causing havoc. <laughs> 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 he, 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 he's just a brilliant, brilliant man. He knows what he's doing, and, oh, God, do you see him on The Voice? Yeah, no, do you know what? I, I didn't see it when it went out, but I've seen the clip of it on yeah. YouTube, yeah. And he was telling me how he, he just went for the auditions, and he yeah. didn't. He, he gave his real name, Bernard Quigley or whatever, yeah. something like that, R- retired plumber, yeah. um, and he got through the first round, and then the second round he, he said that he was an ostrich jockey, so instantly... <laughs> Instantly, they're like, oh, a retired plumber who's an ostrich jockey. And then he eventually, just as they said, right, you're through. And I should tell you, you know, I, I, I do this, this and this. Um, and, and I just thought, what a wonderful, wonderful 
kind of a prank to play. You know, it's that, who's that, there's that, um, oh, I can't remember his name, that gentleman that goes around doing pranks at the moment for Channel 4, that Lee Nelson. Is it Lee Nelson? Is that oh, Simon Brockhead. Simon Brockhead goes, uh, and, and this was just, uh, him going on uh, The Voice yeah. uh, is just a charming version of those without any malice or spite. No, no there's, and there's no malice to Bernie mm, whatsoever. No. He, uh, but, but also, he's just a funny, funny man. Yeah. And he, he, you know, I said to him, what? Actually, I don't want to do this in case it's treading on your toes. No, your don't, don't, don't worry, go on. I said, so what made you realise, you know, you were meant to be in comedy? He said, oh, stupid stuff. You know, we go to the cinema and take, you know, um, bangers and yeah. whistles and stuff like that. And we'd have a set, me and my mates, we'd all have a set point in the film. We'd say, right, synchronise our watches, and then we'd set everything off. <laughs> and it happened every week, and we got chucked out every week, and it was, and it, it, it was just, he said, and the reaction to that was the sort of first thing. He said, but then I became a singer. He yeah. was a club singer when he was in the RAF. Yeah. And um, he, he said, I worked out that, oh. If I told a few, the jokes just took over because yeah. the songs got longer and longer. He's, he, he, I mean, we, we chatted for 35 minutes. He totally sucked me in. I said, well, Bernie, listen, I just want to say thank you for the laughs. Thank you for your time. Yeah. He said, Ian, before I go, can I just leave you on this note? And then he went, he had, a t- <laughs> he had a trombone sat next to him waiting for the gag at the end. Of course he, he did. He was working it on the phone. Of course he did. And then Tommy Cannon as well. I mean, again, I wasn't sure what Tommy Cannon would be like, but... What a delightful... You know, ten-year-old oh. me inside was d- bouncing up and j- down with glee. The thing is, they're old pros, yeah. and they love telling these stories. Yeah, of course they and do. And they're full of them. You know, uh, uh, in Leeds, um, after the Barry Crowham, did the Chuckle Brothers. And yeah. the thing is, everyone goes, oh, everyone uses the Chuckle Brothers as a sort of lazy shorthand for, oh, you might as well get the Chuckle Brothers to run it, because of the act. Yeah. And now, so much craft goes into that act, and you... you the Chuckle Brothers, you know, there aren't two cleverer blokes in comedy. Yeah. Um, but um, Cannon and Ball, now. There's a f- Ball. Let's go back to the Chuckle Brothers for a second, because there is a brilliant gag from, yeah. their, from Chuckle Vision, right? It's a brilliant gag, right? They're stewards on an aeroplane. <laughs> um, and then the, for some reason, the, I think they knock the pilots out by accident. <laughs> and they come out and they say, right, we don't want to panic anybody. <laughs> But is there anybody who can fly an aeroplane? No one puts their hand up. He goes, right. A helicopter? <laughs> Anyone been up in a hot air balloon? <laughs> Paper aeroplanes? And it just goes down, and it's just beautiful. I always wonder about the Chuckle Brothers, though, because do you remember, when yeah. they started on TV, they were dressed up as dogs. Yeah. And I always wonder at what point they go, you know what, guys, the dogs are working, but I think if we come out of these outfits, we've got, we've got something special. Well, no, what happened there was... Um, they were, they were doing an act, not as dogs. This came out on the night. This yeah. is a fantastic story. Yeah. And they were doing the act, not, not, you know, doing a double act, not as dogs. And they were seen, they, they were, I think they were doing pantomime or something. Yeah. And there was an audience and there were four people in the audience. And they thought, oh, should we bother? <laughs> yeah, let's go out and do it. <laughs> Now, it's a good job they did that, because two of those people were from BBC Manchester. Oh, fantastic. And they went out, and they did the show like it was packed. Yeah, of course. And they were fantastic. Yeah. 
And the guys from BBC Manchester went round the back and said, look, we'd like to put you in a show. Um, do you know Ward Allen and Roger the Dog? And they went, yeah, yeah, great vent act, yeah. Um, well, he's got his own series, and we'd like to put you in it. Yeah. And they went, great. He said, only one problem. We want you to play their butlers who are in dog suits. Oh, of course, yes, the uh, butler dogs. And And they went... Well, it's telly, it's work, yeah. let's do it. And they went along, and the Chucklehound suits were actually It's a Knockout cast-offs. Oh, wow, there they you They went go. through the It's a Knockout, and they chose the two funniest dog suits. Yeah. They went through, yeah, that one works. That, they knew what dog suits yeah. worked. Yeah, that one works, that one does. And, you know, Paul and Barry, they just said, inside the dog suits, we were just doing the whole thing like we were yeah. doing the double act yeah. anyway, so it wasn't the longest walk. And then they stole the show yeah. from poor old Ward Allen, who was a great act. And um, they said, yeah, we want to offer you your own series. And they did the series as the dog. Mm. And then the same producer said, let's do a series without the dog suits. And that was it. Beautiful. Yeah. Louis, yeah. listen, you are right to stick around for another ten minutes? Yeah. Cool. Beautiful. Stay there, because I'm having the time of my life. Honestly, I could I, I could chat all night. We need to do this over a coffee at some point. Um, Late Nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Late Nights, Ian Lee. On air and off the On Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. 0344 is the telephone number. I'm speaking to Louis Bath. He's got an evening uh, up in Hull in March, um, interviewing Neil Shand. He's also written books. Let's do, let's do the selling. I've just tweeted all the stuff, but you've written... Is it three books you've written, Louis? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, where have all the good times gone? Yes. About uh, records? The record industry from Edison up until Napster, really. It was, oh, um, Napster. Yeah. That, that was that, that the book slightly, doesn't it? Um, turned out nice again, the story of British light entertainment. Which was the most fun to do, just going and bothering old producers and writers. And you, 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 you did it. You went and did the legwork, did you? You went and you phoned people up and went round people's houses and oh, had tea yeah, and cake yeah. and spoke to them? Yeah, no, no. I, 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 um, when I interviewed um, Johnny Ammons, um, Morecambe and Wise's producer, yeah. we sat there and it was getting dark, but we were so deep in conversation, neither of us thought to go and turn the light on. <laughs> and we were just sitting there. I and, love it. And, and and then Johnny went. I'll, I'll just go. I'll just go make a cup of tea. And I went. Turn the light on while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> and how I, you're, I, I'm imagining that the thing that I'm finding out now with the Bernie Cliftons and with um, you know the Tommy Cannons and other people that me and Kath are approaching, I'm, I would imagine that when you, you you got in touch with that book, they were more than delighted to to invite you round and, and spend a few hours talking. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. I mean, Ernest Maxin. Morecambe Wines is other great producer. You know, you turn you turn up and um, have you eaten? Have you eaten? Look, we've got we've got some cake, we've got some biscuits. Just, and just sit down and you, they're fascinating people, and they've they've lived so much and they've done so many things. I mean, Ernest telling me the story of how he worked out the stripper routine in his own kitchen. Really. Yeah, he got home thinking, right, we've got three minutes to fill, and we've got no script, so it's got to be visual. Um, And he thought, his wife came in and said, oh, what do you want for breakfast in the morning? Some grapefruit? And he went, grapefruit, grapefruit. 
breakfast and and then he, he stayed up all night working out wow. using up everything in the kitchen his wife lee came in in the, in the morning and just went what have you done this flower oh be- and, one, and one of the you know classic yeah. top 10 sketches of british tv of yeah. all time I've, I've been very lucky i've been able to sort of find these people um, and talk to them and a lot of it's trust you know mm. they're, they're not going to talk if you don't know what you're on about yeah um, were uh, any of them were any of them guarded i remember ages ago uh, 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 about, about six years ago i interviewed paul daniels on the phone and i yeah. got the impression from paul he was waiting for the punchline he was waiting for the you know the, the the punch in the stomach from me to say ha ha you're an old fart and it wasn't at all it was it was right. done in complete reverence you know i was i was bowing down in front of him it was on the phone but you know um I, 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 were any of them a little bit wary see i I met Paul, but I never interviewed him, mm. and I get what you're saying about that. I got that as well, um, but I think it became clear that no, I, I, I was on his side. Mm. Yeah, and th- but I think there's that moment when you interview someone. It's is it Danny Baker? I went to see his one man show recently. Oh, yeah, is it good? Oh, it's crackingly good. He talks about interviewing people, mm. and he talks about interviewing old comedians and Kenneth Williams and all that, people who are known to be difficult. Yeah. And he calls it, oh, that dumb luck, where you ask the right question. Yeah. And I think, well, no, it's not dumb luck. It's knowing what you're on about. Yeah. Like, I interviewed Spike Milligan. I went to his home. Wow, man. And the week before... He'd been interviewed by someone from the Sunday Telegraph yeah. and had taken against them because they'd basically not done any research. And it was basically, tell me your whole life story. Yeah, and Spike yeah. Millig- you don't do that with Spike Milligan. So, I, you know, I was, I, he, he, Spike Milligan was my hero. He was the only person in my life I have ever set out to meet. Mm. And I thought, if this goes badly, I, I, you know, I don't... You'd be devastated. But I can't... But I can't not take this opportunity. He, yeah. he had a book out. I was a trade hack uh, going off to interview him. And my editor said, oh, can't you do it down the phone? I went, no, I've been invited to Spike Milligan's house. Yeah. I'm taking the day off if necessary. <laughs> of course you are. You can't say no to that. No. So we went down. I went down to Rye in Sussex where he lived. And I was—I had this telegraph piece banging in my ears, thinking, "Hell, if he gives me a hard time, I'm, I'm not going to—you know—I'm not going to survive it." Yeah. So we got in there, and we talked, and I asked him a question about jazz trumpet and his, the music he loved and stuff like that, and. Then I said, what about Ray Ellington? He said, oh, man, what a brilliant musician. I mm. loved working with him and all that. And then I said, oh, Wally Stott and the Goon Show Band. And we were in. Mm. Yeah. Ask about the music. And yeah. after that, it was just... And um, he came, he said, oh, um, do, do you want some tea and cake? I said, Love, lovely, lovely. Um, he said, um, is Earl Grey okay? And I said... Oh, Grace, fine. He said, how do you take it? I said, no milk. He said, ah, good, not a heathen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he came back out with Earl Grey and Bakewell Tart, and we sat and carried on talking. He said, oh, can I play you a piece of music that a friend of mine wrote? 
his friend Harry Edgington, who was in the army with him. Yeah. Anyway, it went like a dream, Fantastic. and he eventually got tired, and he said, look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an old man, I'm getting tired now, yeah. um, have you got enough? Yeah. I went, oh, God, no, it's been a brilliant, and it's wonderful. And um, so I said, well, you can call for a taxi, um, get back to the station, and thanks for coming. So I went and got the taxi back to the station and uh the next day i rang his editor at the um, publisher and he said no he, he the editor rang me and he mm. said how did it go i said no it seemed to go fine seemed to go fine we you know sat and had a cup of tea and some bakewell tart he went he got the bakewell tart out <laughs> i went yeah what does that mean he went it means you passed. Wow. Well done, Louis. Yeah. Well done. What a, what a thrill. The thing, I mean, the interviews I do, that sounds like you were with him for a few hours. The interviews I do tend to be about 20 minutes long. And the trick that I've learned, hmm. uh, and I learned this when I, when I interviewed Sparks, years and years ago, I interviewed Sparks, hmm. and they came in and they were very polite. And obviously hmm. their biggest hit is this, ain't t- this town ain't big enough for the hmm. both of us. And I said to them off air, I said, look, if you want, this, we can make this the first interview where we don't mention that song. And they looked at me and they went, are you sure? I said, yeah, I am quite happy. I'm not interested in that. You must have spoken about that a million times. I couldn't give a stuff about that. Let's make this the first interview where we don't mention the greatest hit. And that's kind of, that's how I tend to do these interviews when it's like 20 minutes on the radio. Yeah. We, we had Johnny Rock. You've had some great, you've had some great interviews and you obviously really, you interview people that you love, yeah. you know, when you get all the musicians in, the monkeys and all that. And oh, stuff. yeah. On this show, we, we we get people that we want to talk to, me and yeah. Kath want to talk to, we've got an interest, and we just sit there, going through our iTunes, going, well, let's ask him, yeah. let's ask her. And it works, we had, you know, when we had Johnny Rotten on, or John Lydon, didn't mention punk once, you know, because... No. He's spoken about that a million times. I don't want to hear yeah. his thoughts on what happened 40 years ago again. I no. want to hear something completely different, you know. And um, it's like with, with Bernie Clifton. I didn't mention the ostrich. He mentioned it a couple of times. Mm. But that wasn't... Because they, they must get bored of talking about that. And to, to, to have a little bit of knowledge about yeah. something else they've done that's perhaps a little bit more obscure. Maybe a film that, that, that they're proud of, but it flopped. Or, you know, this sketch... Yeah. They, uh, just to throw that in, and that you can see or hear their voice light up. light up and go, yeah. oh, you know about that. You know my stuff, and you like yeah. that. Okay, yeah. brilliant, we're in. And I love it, and it's a great way to do these things. For it's these little 20-minute interviews. My, my, great, my great regret and sadness is that I never got to interview Rod Hull. Mm, yeah. Because I appeared on stage with Rod Hull when I was seven. Oh, mate, come on now. I, now... Talking about Tommy Cannon, yeah. the first TV recording I attended was their Christmas special, 1982. Oh, what a thrill for a young... We're the, we're the same Tommy age. Cannon I think and you're Bobby Ball at Drury Lane. You're four days younger than me, I think. I've been reading yeah. up about you. Um, and uh, what what a thrill for a, for a young man to go and see that. That yeah. must have been hysterical. It, it was amazing. Went with my entire family, and it was great. Drury Lane... Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Yeah. I've got it on DVD now, and it's just... It's, it's crack- they're crackingly good. It's a great yeah. act. yeah. But Rod Hull, Britannia Pier, Great Yarmouth, mm. 1980, on holiday with my mum and dad. And mouthy little child, me, yeah. near the front, need a volunteer from the audience. Near, yeah, yeah, me, 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 me. <laughs> you know, could not get up there fast enough. Of yeah, yeah, not. you, you. I got up there. Now, the thing is, Rod Hull, all the stuff he did with Parkinson and everyone or whatever, I, I think Rod Hull was 
one of the greatest physical comedians we've ever seen. He, his show, Emu's Broadcasting Company, EBC One, yeah. was the, the Pink Windmill stuff was okay. But oh, I wasn't such a fan of that. Yeah, no, I, no, it was okay. It was okay. EBC One was Python for kids, right? And with Billy Dainty and all that. Billy Dainty, there's yeah. a name I'd forgotten oh, about. Wow, a great, great, great man. Yeah, and there's this clip from EBC One where. He's doing this fake consumer investigative program called The Searching Beak of Emu. <laughs> and he's looking at things in supermarkets. Yeah. And there's this beautiful, beautiful bit, I think it's on YouTube, of Emu gets Rod, Rod Holes looking in a freezer. Emu gets Rod Hole around the back of the neck and flips him bodily into the <laughs> chest freezer. Now, the thing is, you look at it, and you believe it's the bird doing it. And yeah. the centre of gravity is just right yeah. for the bird doing it, not a man throwing himself in. Mm. It's amazing stuff. Now, he was very physically hard on himself. He was physically hard on Parkinson. He would have been physically hard on Connolly, mm. who was on the same show, but you know the story about that? No, go on. <laughs> Billy Connolly? Billy Connolly. Yeah, of course, the famous Parkinson interview where, he, where Emu goes yeah. and attacks him, yeah. Yeah. Billy Connolly <laughs> walks up to Rod Alanemu and says, if you try anything, I'll break your neck and his arm. <laughs> I know, but we had, um, on the 11 o'clock show, we'll come, we had um, uh, uh, Sooty came on, and I don't know who was doing Sooty then. It, was, it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't Matthew Corbett, but it wasn't the it young man that... took it on. It wasn't the young man that does it now. There was someone in between. Okay. And I said, a, I said a similar thing. He was squirting everyone with a water pistol, and I said, Sooty, if you squirt me with that, I'm going to punch that old man. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. But go on, sorry. So, so, uh, so um... Rod Hull. Yes. Oh. He, he, he gave no quarter. If you were seven years old, yeah. you got the full parking. Wow, really? And it hurt. And do you know what? Yeah. You know, nowadays I'd probably sue him. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that, 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 Do you it, know what? I wouldn't trade that for anything <laughs> in the world. I, it was being assaulted by Rod Hull and Emu, but yeah. in the good sense of um, uh, uh, assault. Anyway, Neil Shand. Yes. <laughs> There's, uh, Dave, uh, Dave is saying on uh, 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 Twitter, Dave Lee is saying yeah. uh, we've turned this into a catchphrase. Anyway, Neil Shand. Yes. Um, well, the, the, the thing is, additional material, Neil Shand was the great credit yeah. all through. So, yeah, and Neil Shand. So, why, so the, the, Hull, 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 when is, the, when is this happening? It's on the 12th of March um, at the Cardoma 94. I've tweeted the link. I'm going to tweet it again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, put Philip through, because Philip, uh, Philip in South Norwood knows, knows his onions. He's going to come on in a second. Excellent. Um, uh, if, if it were nearer, and I don't mean in London, but if it were nearer, I'd be there. But Hull's a little bit of a stretch for me, unfortunately. So wh how is the evening going to take shape? Do you know, do you, is it just you two with some microphones? Are you going to show clips? We, How's we're it going to work? Show, we're going to show clips. I think I'm going to, um, um, pull rank and make them show one of my favourite Spike Milligan sketches, which I know Neil co-wrote, yeah. uh, which was um, Jehovah's Burglars. Oh, I don't remember that one. It's, <laughs> we've been persecuted for our beliefs. <laughs> what are your beliefs? We believe you've got a lot of good silverware. <laughs> <laughs> and the Q series, because I've, 
Uh, We're uh, all out on DVD now, thank I was about to say, is it? Because we used to pass around VHS copies of, you know, there are a few bits that are in a documentary and a a couple of them, but it's all out on DVD, is it? When did that happen? It's just come out in the last few months. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. It is, um, for those who haven't seen it, it is, it's, well, the the shorthand is, it's Python before Python, isn't it? It's it's surreal, it's beautiful, it's nonsense, it's sketches that don't have punchlines, it's kind of meanders, doesn't it? Well, Q5 was Python before Python, mm. and there was a long gap before Q6, and Q6 is Milligan, pure Milligan, yeah. if not Python. It's just the whole thing of uh, Milligan and Neil Shand coming up with these beautiful ideas like, well, how about if we keep the luggage tags from the um, wardrobe department on the suit? So you have people appearing in shot with these wardrobe tags on them and then how about if we stick ring binder reinforcements on people's cheeks and have david jacobs doing links with a ring binder reinforcement on his cheeks saying, where are they now mm. <laughs> and, oh spike once i said how did you manage to get all of these fine upstanding people to do these undignified things he says I think it was called money. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Let me bring Philip in, because we, we, we've got to end in a minute. Philip! Good evening, Ian. Good evening, Philip. I'm, I'm imagining you've um, got a little semi going listening to this conversation oh, this it's evening. Brilliant. It's really fantastic. I was, you know, over the years, I have had the chance on the radio phone to speak to a number of really big celebrities. Yes. Joan Rivers, yeah. Lee Marvin, oh, wow. Bill Haley, James Best. You know who James Best was? Roscoe P. Coltrane from oh, the. Of course! Yes. <laughs> and also a bloke Roscoe who. Roscoe P. Coltrane! Yeah, and a, a real legend, Rich Little. Yes, Rich Little. Now, yes. Who, um, great, great comedian. Yes. A Canadian, isn't he? I believe he was. Yeah. And he played Johnny Carson. Yes. In the film version of. Bill Carter's book about Leno and Letterman. Can I just say, one of those weird things happens. As you said the name Johnny Carson, Louis, I read the name Johnny Carson because someone has just tweeted me, and I've not seen this, I won't watch it now. Someone has just, uh, uh, Lane has just tweeted me a clip of emu on the johnny carson oh, show wow. with richard pryor attacking richard pryor oh wow when did rod hole go to the states um well it must uh, richard pryor i think it was around the time of superman 3 so 83 yeah, yeah wow look at that but it was when richard pryor had had all that plastic surgery after the fire yeah yeah oh god i, I did I, rod hole on johnny Car- i'm watching that yeah. later on um philip listen thank you I've, we've, we've got we've got to do the business thank you philip we've got to do the business so you're talking with Neil Shand, um, as... Neil Shand, who, D-Time, Frost, Monkhouse, everyone. It's, Kelly Monteith. Uh, it's, look at that, tickets are eight quid. I mean, you're virtually yeah. giving them away for that. Yeah. Um, it's on the, the 12th of March, which I think yeah. is a Saturday, isn't it? Um, let me just check. Just um, it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. Yeah, it's a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, uh, I'm going to tweet the link again, but if, if you just, if you type in an evening with Neil Shand, it will pop up, won't it? Oh, yeah. It will pop up and we'll, t- hang on a second, Philip. Yes, Philip, did you not get to your point? No, the thing I wanted to say is, yes. you mentioned about Sparks. Yeah, uh, yes. Because I was on, wasn't I? Inter- I talked to them about roller coasters. You, to- you talked about the movie that they were in and they were yeah, so thrilled to have like that it. mentioned. <laughs> 
Well, they didn't like it, and we got into a bit of a sort of an argument about it. That was the only thing I was... Uh, the other yes. thing I wanted to mention. That's right. Philip from South Norwood, uh, Louis, has argued with Sparks. Excellent. Thank you, Philip. Um, Louis, listen, um, uh, what are you on Twitter? You're, uh, LF Bath. LF Bath. B-A-R-F-E. And I've tweeted it enough, and I'll tweet it again during the uh, the news as well, and all the links and all the bits and pieces. It's such a thrill to talk to you, Louis. Um, uh, 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 a, you've got to come on again. Um, cause Anytime we've got like. loads of people saying nice things about it, uh, and I don't normally get that. Um, and B, we have to do this over a coffee at some yes, point. Yes, we do. Nice one, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Look after yourself. Thank it's you, Louis. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Absolutely superb. What a nice gentleman. Um, I'm going to tweet during the news. I shall tweet you um, the link. I don't know how big we are in Hull. I, I, t- I think I'm doing a show that night. But if I wasn't, I would be there. Doesn't it sound fantastic? What a great... Why don't I get phone calls saying, hey, do you fancy doing a Q&A with a comedy legend? Yeah, sure, I'd love to. Um, but Louis knows his stuff, and, um... Oh, man alive, I could have sat chatting to him all night. We'll get him on again. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, got a complete... It's a really busy show tonight. We've put, we've put some effort into this, me and Kath. <laughs> There's been a little bit of pre-production has gone on. Um, coming up after the news, you'll have seen and you'll have heard the big, big story from NASA. They have found seven new planets. And it, it, it looks pretty likely that some of them could possibly contain life. It's, um, it's absolutely mind-blowing stuff. But I, I don't really understand it. When it comes to that kind of stuff, I'm a little bit out of my depth. So, um, I've got in touch with uh, Professor Joe Lavens, who is um, a UFO expert um, and knows all about these, these, these kind of things. And he's hopefully going to come on just after 11. Well, he is going to come on just after 11 and hopefully explain to us um, what these planets are, where they are, how close are they? My boys today had loads of questions. How far away are they? Is it a trillion miles away? And I went, yeah, sure, why not? I don't know. I don't know. So, um, the professor's going to come on and let us know, um, his thoughts on that, how far away they are, or whether they'll contain life, what we can expect. Should we be worried about that? Uh, he's also happy, um, to take your phone calls, 0344. He gets really busy when Joe Lavens comes on. So if, you, if you're going to call up, call up now. Book your space now, because the phones go nuts for him. 0344 499 You speak to Kath, she'll take your name and number and, uh, and call you straight back. Maybe you've had a, a, an out-of-body experience. Maybe you've seen a UFO. Um, I know that some of my listeners have, have uh, tweeted me to say that they've been um, probed by um, aliens. If that's you, or if you've just got any questions about space and um, flying saucers, then do give us a call. The phones go nuts when we have Joe Lavens on, so give us a call now, 0344 499 1000. Late Nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Talk Radio. The calls are coming through thick and fast. If you want to speak to Professor Joe Lavens about your UFO experience, 0344 499 1000. Late Nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Late Nights, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. It's time to get a little bit spooky here on... Uh... Talk radio. It's um, 
we like to do this from time to time. We like to look at the uh, the weird, the wacky, the wonderful, the strange, the odd, the um, mentally unstable, the bizarre. Um, we're not calling it the Twilight Zone. That would be a copyright infringement. But, 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 but. We do like to um, have a little look at um, some of the stranger news that's going on in the world. And boy, I say in the world, I mean out of this world. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. There's a huge story um, that has dominated the press. The Sun have got the perfect headline, Are These Seven New Earths? Astronomers have found seven Earth-sized planets in one solar system, meaning we could find alien life within years. NASA made the astonishing announcement last night. At least three planets are the right temperature to be covered with oceans, and there could be water on others. Um, when we get stories like this, there's only one person to go to. It's uh, We go to uh, our resident Professor Joe Lavens, who's got a new book coming out soon called Alien Invasion, Dawn of the Hybrid Super Species. Good evening, Joe! Hello there. Good evening to you, Ian. Great uh, to speak to you again. Great to speak to you. We are taking calls. I can see we've got Malcolm. I can see we've got Alan. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you want to, uh, to 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 join them, tell us a just give, just give us a brief synopsis of the book, uh, Joe. Okay. I, I, first of all, I want to pick you up on uh, you're, you're playing the Twilight Zone. You, yeah. think you, you refer to their wacky, the mentally dis- deranged, the, the disturbed, outer, mentally disturbed, disturbed, disturbed. I beg, beg your pardon. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing disturbed about it. This is factual. This is science. Um, well, I mean, it's a little bit. It's a little bit. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's a little bit of fun. No, sir. No, sir. It is not fun. No. This, this is life. This is science. Uh, what we're talking about here are at least three planets uh, with a newly discovered solar system that's 39 light years from Earth. Right. Um, astronomers at the National Aeronautics and Space Institute, uh, Administration, NASA, of course, have detected no less than seven roughly Earth-sized worlds. How do they? De- a- how do, sorry. How do they detect them? Is it, yeah. How, how do they detect them? Have they got like a very strong telescope? Yes, they do, sir. Yes, they do. There's, wow. there's, there's uh, a telescope in La Silla, Chile, which uh, gives the system its name. Uh, it's called the Tra- Trappist Robotic Telescope. Yeah. And uh, what, what they've done is they, they, they've um, looked into the so-called Goldilocks zone, where temperatures are suited to uh, surface oceans of liquid water. Yeah. And decided that yes, the conditions are right for Earth. Uh, how for powerful Earth is the? It, how powerful is the telescope? Is it? Is it the difference from you know? I don't know if you've um, ever been to the top of the Empire State Building. Yes, sir. I um, and if you look over the edge, you can't really see. People look like ants. But if you put right. um, uh, a quarter, uh, twenty-five cents, into the the um, the telescopes, then you could actually yeah. make out what people are wearing. Are these telescopes powerful enough to see people? Oh, my friend. Oh, my friend. Look, we're looking at at something that is, (laughs) well, it's infinitely more powerful than that. So we can see closer Um, than than just what they're wearing? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. We're talking about something that's 39 light years away. Right. Uh, That's an awful lot further away than than looking at the bottom of the Empire but can I we? Think can, can, I think you're pulling my leg. I think you're. I think you're getting. I'm getting confused. Um, I'm not. See, I'm not convinced that this proves anything. 
really. A, I don't, you know, there, there are no photographs of these planets. This is, the picture in the sun is clearly drawn by someone. Um, right. And, and, and we, 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 we don't know this exists. There's a big campaign at the moment, isn't there, about fake news and the mainstream media lying to us. Yeah, and, sure. and, and I would suggest that this is just fake news. It, it detracts, uh, distracts us from what's going on in our own pathetic lives. If, if you, you're prepared to read my book, Alien Invasion, Dawn of the Hybrid Superspecies, you'll find out that yeah. uh, far from this being fantasy, far from this being uh, fake news, as I believe you call it, uh, it's, it's very clear what's happened. It came, did it with a monkey, and what we have now is human beings. You know, I mean, um, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that. What did you say about a monkey? I looked away for a second. What did you say about a monkey? An alien done it with a monkey. That's, that's how, basically, in colloquial terms, that that's how human beings came about. An he, alien he done it with a monkey. Yes. Okay. He did. He did. He, he an did alien done it with a monkey. A monkey. Yes. That's what happened. Yeah. Why would an alien do it with, with a monkey? monkey? <laughs> that made humans. That what? made that, and that made humans. Yes. Wow. Well, that is that is my contention in my book. In yeah, the I book, mean, Alien Invasion, Dawn of the Hybrid Superspecies. Yes, an alien came down, it had sex with a monkey. Right. I mean, how, how is it that we have monkeys? Apparently, uh, Homo sapiens have... Uh, what if old, what um, if I had sex with a monkey? If you had sex with a monkey... <laughs> yes? What would happen? I wouldn't... I, I'd be arrested. I'm not here. Joe? Hello? 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 Sorry, I'm not here to advocate you having sex with a monkey, no. Um, We've got some calls. Would you like to take... I'm not prepared to be drawn on that one, sorry. Okay. Would you like to take some calls? Yes, please. Let's go to Malcolm. Malcolm, you're through to the professor. Hello, professor. I would just like to ask, why has the Americans not, not gone back to the moon... And is it true that they, they reckon that there could be um, some kind of like glass structures on the moon or something? Because I've heard that on um, Howard Hughes' show on this sh- on, on this station Howard here. Yeah. That's a good question. Okay, Why haven't they gone back to the moon? Well, I I, I believe you know through uh, Russia, China, and America, the, the, the space station and so forth that uh, there is very little more they can research from the moon. I mean, the moon is a lump of rock. I'm not sure what that's going to give us. Um, What about the glass structures that Malcolm mentioned on the moon? Well, uh, yes, I mean, there are structures on there. I I believe that there are houses, they're rudimentary houses. I'm a believer in that. On the moon? Dwellings, dwellings, yeah, domiciles, yes, I do believe that. And uh, any rudimentary research will show you that uh, you only have to look, I mean, you look that up. Houses on Moon, mm-hmm. and on Google, you will find that. Malcolm, have you uh, have you heard? So you've heard about this, have you, Malcolm? Houses on the Moon. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've got, I've got a theory about it. Actually, I believe that there were advanced civilizations on this planet, and we've probably been hit by something like a, um, I don't know, maybe a meteorite or something. Yeah. the mouth. I think people have actually been to the Moon from this planet, not aliens, but I think advanced civilizations on this planet once existed, and they're wiped out by. Um, Either solar changes or uh, polar changes. I Malcolm, don't know, can I, I ask, think... what do you think about um, the professor's assertion that uh, an alien came down and uh, did it with a monkey? Um, I just find it rather bizarre. I don't believe in it. No, but, but, but the, the stuff about no, super beings... Apparently and... you're prepared to believe the... Uh, Malcolm, you can't be selective with these things. 
Um, what I want to ask you, Malcolm, uh, is, is what evidence do you have of aliens living amongst us? Because that's certainly that's one of my assertions that there are aliens living on Earth. Do you well, believe that out really? Do you know that the Egyptians existed? There were advanced civilizations similar to them. The, and the Egyptians still exist, I think. Sorry? I think the Egyptians still exist. I know oh, they yeah, had some yeah. troubles well, over I mean, there. What I'm trying to say, Ian, is uh, I believe that there were quite advanced civilizations around him that may have actually gone to the moon themselves. Oh. And I think, you know... Like in uh, wooden rockets. We know very little about this planet that we live on. It's true. Go back to the Jurassic period all the time and things like that. I don't know. Joe, um, we're asking... Uh, uh, James on Twitter is asking if you can... Uh, last time you came on, you drew us a picture. Um, yes, sir. Apologies. You sent us a photograph... Of mm. your evidence of aliens, are there any illustrations in this new book, Alien Invasion: Dawn of the Hyper? Yes, uh, the there hybrid are. Super and I will I'm not finished. You... That you could oh, you thanks. could um, you could send over to me so I can tweet them out. Okay, I have various uh, diagrams that I have drawn uh, based on uh, various research I have done throughout the United States and, and, and this country and Europe. I am prepared to send you one of my uh, illustrations later fantastic, on. Fantastic, fantastic. I will do that. And can you explain to us, I, I know, and I know the story behind this, but there is a very pertinent reason why you're not on Twitter. You don't trust Twitter, do you? No, sir. No, so, sir. Tell, tell the not. listeners why not. Well, I tell you why, sir, because uh, as as, as your Malcolm, who just uh, you just spoke to, the world uh, we've been infiltrated by uh, alien species. Call them what you like: uh, extraterrestrials, um, higher form intelligence, aliens. They are living amongst us. They could be listening and, to uh, this show right now. Well, very possible. If they've got DAB. And this is, uh, well, you, you joke about it, Ian, but it, it, these people... Listening, it, you know, the aliens, aliens could be listening. If you're... Uh, here, here we go. They want to f- it, let, I'll do it. Let's do it. If you're, if you're an alien listening to this show right now, 0344 499 um, and come and talk to us. There we go. If, if, if there are any aliens, extraterrestrials who want to phone in and speak to me, I will be able to tell if they're uh, from this world or not. Okay. Uh, I've done extensive research. 45 years in this business will tell me okay, if, if, if they are extraterrestrials. But if they want to phone in and speak to me, sure. Okay. Go ahead. Um, let, uh, Caller, you're through to the professor. <laughs> now, alien or, alien or real? <laughs> Are you laughing? Is that an alien? Uh, is it, what is? You who, tell me. Do you tell me, Professor. Hello. Hip hip hip. Hello. Hello. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Do you understand me? Are you peaceful? Are, Are you, you peaceful? He's gone. The fu- he's gone. He's just disappeared. Well, this is what I'm talking wow. about, Ian. You know, I mean. Uh, I don't know whether that was a human being or whether that was extraterrestrial. I mean, I would encourage him to phone back. Let's let's talk. Vaughn has um, tweeted, um, 0344-499-1000. Dan will come to you in a second. Vaughn has tweeted, can you ask the professor if aliens carry out anal probes on pets? I had to take my budgie to the vet and they phoned the police. I think you're pulling my leg. Is that right? No, yeah. that's that, Va- Va- I, Vaughn. Um, Vaughn is actually very, very ill. Well, so I don't think you, he's he's in okay, the mood for okay. making okay. jokes. Well, if you if you read my book, uh, Alien Invasion: Dawn of the Hybrid Superspecies, yep. Yep, 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 you yep, will yep, realize that yes, that there's a certain amount of anal probing that they do. They with pets, though. I don't know about pets, but a, a human, a man's anus. They 
put a finger, uh, they've got long fingers and they stick it up there, you know. What do they do that for? What do they get out of it, apart from um, smelly oh, fingers? Oh, oh, well, temperature, they take, they can take blood samples, they can, um, fecal samples. Th- these are all things that the aliens like. To, I mean, uh, to us, it's appalling. Perhaps well, wants to, well, I don't want to go as far as saying appalling, Joe, to some people it might be a bit of fun. Not with a long finger. Look, listen, we're getting, they've got long fingers. We're getting, we're going, we're, we're going up yeah. where we don't want to go. Um, Dan, you're through to the professor. Hi, Professor Labia. Professor Labia, what did you call me? Professor Lavens. Yes, I heard you the first time. You're going to be silly Hi. about it. Hi. Um, right, well, I've got some questions you. for you, Professor. I've, I've been following your career, and um, it's been quite an interesting talk tonight. Right, um, okay. With, with regards to those seven new planets that uh, NASA have located, how confident are you that those are genuine? Because... Um, Using the probes that we've got so far, they found the face on Mars, if you remember, and that turned yes, out just to be um, shadows, wasn't it? Um, well, do I don't know what it was. Why, why do you, excuse me, sir, why do you think that's just shadows? Why, why would you think that? Because science. Because science. Wow. Because science. Because I science. mean, you're, you're a scientist yourself, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yes, I am. I mean... I mean, I'm, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, it's a little bit rude, Dan. Yeah, no, that, I don't mean to be, because obviously, you know, the, the professor is very respected in his field. Um, but I was completely under the impression that the face of Mars was... Well, OK, let's, let's, put, let's put that to one side. Um, uh, 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 what's yeah. your question, Dan? Um, these seven new Earth-like planets. Mm. Firstly, I mean... The, the, we need to know, I mean, we, we've already got this Earth-like planet, and it isn't the Earth-like planet it used to be, you know, it, it weighs a bit more than it used to. These seven new Earth-like planets, will any of them be feeling the impact of Brexit? And okay, are there any Muslims this is, this on those ridiculous. planets? Ian, please, this is ridiculous. Okay, I've cut him off, he's gone. I'm so he's... sorry, look, if, 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 if... You know, I'm a very well-respected uh, scientist. No, and, and I've worked for NASA. I've worked yep. in Massachusetts. It's I think you're a liar. I've no, I've cut him. I've, well, uh, why, you why hasn't he cut off? That should have get just, rid of him. I'm trying to. The screen, the touch screen, doesn't seem to be working. I mean, we, we keep looking no. for standard kind I of one. I can't. He's still here, Dan. Yeah. I, Dan, I want to cut Hello? you off, but I can't cut you off my screen. Can you just hang up? Do I have to? Yeah, because because I can't cut you off, so you're just going to have to... Um, you, you, it would be... If you could just put the phone down. <sighs> okay, he's gone now. Um, do I mean, you, this is... You know, I don't, I don't have to put up with this. No. If you want to... I'm happy. He's still there. He's still there. He's still there. Get, can we... Can we just... Can you get rid of this guy? Right, he's gone now. Um, Jimmy, you're through to the professor. <laughs> Hello. Jimmy, you're through to the professor. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> hello, hello, professor. Uh, I was. I read a book called uh, "The Science Delusion" by Rupert Sheldrake, and heard a few podcasts that mention that DNA for human life couldn't have possibly come from this planet, um, or this planet didn't house the environment to to begin human life. Uh, just wondered what your thoughts were. On that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I don't, that, I, that, that, the aliens done it with a monkey. I, I, uh, I, I was using a colloquial. I was using a colloquial term. I, 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 yes, 
I believe that aliens have had sexual intercourse with a monkey, and uh-huh. that's how we were propagated as a human species. Uh, what I'm saying to you is you only have to look around you, which other uh, creature, which other species destroy their own environment. None. Well, the human being um, does. I'm still speaking. No, I know. I know but you're talking utter guff. Uh, Jimmy, you want to come back to that? Well, I, mean, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm from, from Walthamstow, and, and there definitely are some alien-looking people around here, so some, some of it makes a bit of sense to me. But, right, I'm um, just going to hang up. I'm just going to go. No, Professor, just, no, no. No, 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 hold on, hold on. No, no, I, I, I partially see where you're coming from, and I mean, I mean, even people, um, I, I think it's, is it uh, Crick who, who discovered DNA, uh, supposedly discovered DNA whilst supposedly. high on LSD. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, some crazy ideas have come from, from people So you're asking, does the professor like do drugs? No, I'm asking the professor. Is that what you're asking? Do, do you trust, do you trust these people and their previous, uh, the, the, their previous theories? And do you, gen- apart from believing that alien had sex with a monkey, do you actually genuinely believe that we are not from here originally? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I believe. How do you explain? Are you drinking? No, I'm not. Are you on LSD, Jimmy? No, you, never been uh, on no LSD. No, no. I was just sitting. I was bored. I was at home. I was wondering why. I've always wanted to be able to do a backflip, and I've never been able to do what? a backflip. And then I've, I've come off of that subject Ian, and Ian, turn Ian, the radio please. on, and then I thought, Ian. No, well, uh, I've always wanted to no. do the thing, Jimmy, where you run up the wall and flip over. See stuff. An like alien that. can do that. An alien can right. do that. Hang on a minute, Professor. This is interesting. Have you ever tried to do it, Jimmy? Because I've tried to do the running up the wall thing, but I bottle it just as I approach the no. wall. See, that's exactly that's exactly what I. All those people. Hang on, Professor. Those people that can oh, just crap. stand there. Yeah. And then they just jump up and they flip over and land on their yeah, feet come again. On here. Exactly, exactly. Come now I see that kind of stuff. Maybe the professor this could could um, see. Professor, I can't have you speak about that? No, I, I don't want to talk how to run up the wall. No. What are you nuts? What about ninjas? Because ninjas do some pretty what? crazy stuff that could be. Ninjas are nuts, man. This ninjas stuff they nuts. can do. Nothing to do with it. Ninjas have nothing to do with extraterrestrials. They're human beings. Yeah, but they're human beings that came from extraterrestrials. So do you? you and a monkey. What you're saying. So do you believe that the I'm extraterrestrials going, have left some skills here that maybe yes, some people like not possibly, running up the, the, possibly like the wall? Are you have... saying? Hang on a minute, Professor. Just to bring it yes. back on point. Are you suggesting that Jackie Chan is an alien? No. That's kind of China what I was. Man. So how do you China explain man. how do you explain the skills of ninjas when you're saying that aliens had sex with monkeys? Monkeys are super agile. Aliens are super nuts with the kind of skills they got. Put that together. I'm not you saying Chinamen are aliens. I'm not because if you ninjas. were suggesting that Chinamen were aliens, that would Chinamen are not aliens. That could I'm be perceived saying, as racism. And uh, I'm not saying Chinamen are, ra- are aliens are racisms. I'm well, just what, what saying could you say? What would you say on Earth that that we could look at? Let's say I don't know ninjas, people that can backflip. People. What about I saw? I saw on <laughs> I saw on the American record breakers a lady yeah. that could make her eyes pop out. Exactly. Right, Is that, she uh, an alien? I've seen it. She was on UB Framed as well. Yes, yeah, she was. She was. Is she? 
So, so who's closest then? Who here? What can we see here? I think that's from somewhere else. Yeah, mate. I am telling you. Listen to me. Listen, please listen to me. Because I've okay. tried. I'm sorry, but I've tried to. Be I'm, please listen to so me. So long. I'm, listen to me. Chinamen uh, or, or ninjas are not aliens. Okay. Japanese. Go now on, I'm yeah, asking. Go on. I'm telling you yes. now. There are aliens listening. Now, if they want to phone in and tell me mm-hmm. what their skills are. No aliens have called in. So far, we don't know that. We don't well, know that first one who phoned in. Kadik. Well, he's fifty. You know him. Uh, um, he, he phones in from time to time, oh, but okay, um, okay. You know, I sometimes. He might have been. Um, uh, we, 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 I guess we've got another call coming through. We'll take that, and, and then then uh, let's just just go to this now. Um, Brian, you're through to the professor. Hello. Do you? Can you hear me? Hello, professor. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one. What qualifications have you got to say that you're a scientist? And B, do you believe in God? Because I believe in God, and I believe that God created everything. Number one, number question one, first, and then uh, B. I'll ask question number one first, yep. then question B second. Okay. Okay. Well, I have worked for the Massachusetts Institute for Technology. I've worked for NASA. Uh, you know, what, 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 what he, is he's, your He's what got is your certificates. Point? He's got certificates. I've been trying to... Yeah, I've been I'm trying a, to... Well, I'm wondering... Do you have a master's degree or a yes, oh, I do. I have a degree from Pennsylvania University? Yes, I do. All right. What's your okay. point? I was just asking. That was all. I just wondered if you were actually were bona fide scientists. That was all. Where's that? Was Is that where are you from? Want to tell well, me where I'm you're from? I'm from Middlesbrough, mate. On oh, okay. side. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and question B, Brian, what was question B again? Out of the question two? B. I was asking him what his views were on the existence of God. Wow. Because yeah. I believe in God. Okay. Oh, the God, uh, the, the, the God complex. Look, um, I believe there's a God. I believe that there's uh, a being that, that, that formed the universe. And I believe that there are bigger powers than ours on Can Earth. I ask a quick, can I interrupt? Who's, who's, um, who's, Right. Is it the Christians or the Muslims? Is that a question to me? That's for, that's, well, that's Brian. Who do you think's right? The Christians or the Muslims? Well, the thing is, Muslims have got their God, Allah. Christians have got their God, haven't they? Um, so I suppose everybody, depending on what religion you are, have got your own view. If your God, Brian, Brian, if your God had a fight with Allah, who do you think would win? Well, I don't know. To me, it, Probably the same God, and oh. the Creator of everything will be one God. But obviously, in different parts of different nations around the world, uh, you know, um, different gods. What, do you know what I'm trying to say? Is no. Jesus came to the to the West. You know, I mean, from um, from you know from Israel and whatever yes. from, from the Middle East, and then obviously they've got their own they've got their own like um, mm. messiahs in different parts of the world, haven't they? Joe, would you, you, know, you like to? Say anything? We're getting a few more calls. Me, me. Yes, Joe. You want to talk to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm not going to get involved with this. I'm not nuts. You think I'm going to get involved with this? Okay, Brian, thanks for your call. Let's go to... Uh, we're, God's it's, sake, what is, who are these people who listen to you? It's Martin... Get a serious uh, conversation, please. Let's go to Martin Sweetheart in Huddersfield. Good evening, oh, Martin. That's right, darling. Yeah, I've got a lot of um, beliefs in these things, but... I'd like to ask him, I mean, because I had an encounter with God 25 years ago, and he put what? this uh, with God himself, 
Um, you, might, you know, I might be on practice, but he puts this like a dot in the eye. And I'm wondering, does he think that an angel for a world has X-Men? In X-Men, there's a person... All right, listen, can I just interrupt? I don't know what uh, one word you've just said. Okay, I do not understand I one word you just said. Right, calm, right, calm down, Professor. What? Martin is... Martin's, slower. Just hold Mar- on, just hold on. Martin's talking about... Something in your eye? What? Yeah. Let me ask you a question, then. What do you know about zero-point field? Excellent what? question. Zero-point fields. What do you know, know about... what you're this? talking about. You've never heard of the p- zero-point field? I can't understand what you're saying. The zero-point field. Oh, yeah, because you're a professor. Now, zero-point field, scientists say that is the source in the universe in which all things come from. If you're a scientist, how come you never heard of the theory of zero-point field? Of course I've heard of the zero-point field. Okay, tell me about it, please. Well, no, we're not okay. here to, we're not well, here to put him on the... Sp- state. It, the, the quantum field theory, the va- vacuum state, the quantum state with the lowest possible energy. It contains no physical particles as the energy of the ground state. This is okay. called the zero point energy. Okay? Uh, happy, uh, happy, Martin? No, I'm not. Because oh. what I'd, I'd like to also say, right, because yeah. um, you see, darling, my surname's Gabriel, and. I had an encounter with God 25 years ago. Okay, we're not with Martin, with, with respect. Oh, my God's we're, sake. We're, 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 we're kind yeah, of slightly going off on a tangent. The professor well, is here to talk about his book, Alien Invasion, Dawn of the okay, Hybrid Superspecies. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a UFO when I was 10 years old. Here we go, we're back yes, in. Yes, right. now you're okay. talking. Now Listen you're talking. Go on. Boom. I saw a UFO when I was 10 years old. Now, this UFO had a symbol at the bottom of it. When I was 25 like? years old, I found a pebble, a white pebble, and on the pebble, it had the same symbol of the UFO. It had a key drawn on it and a triangle. Now, Jesus in the Bible said he would give certain members a white pebble, and on that pebble, something written that no one knows except the person receiving it. Now, this symbol at the bottom of this UFO, what... Going to hurry you up to a question, Martin, please. Yeah, okay. What was the symbol? Tell me, man, what was the symbol? What was on it? The symbol is like a like um, a Pisces, like a H symbol. And I've seen a program about UFOs recently, and there was a UFO on there exactly with the same symbol. It's like what, what, a H. I've got to push you to a question, Martin. Okay, my question is: Don't be too hepped up. You, you, you've hepped up. But the question I'm asking is: Do you believe that? Um, these aliens in X-Men, the film, that some these aliens come with a gift, like the people in X-Men have one, one has a certain gift for one talent, yeah. and another one has a... Like, one can sort of one... slow down time, can't they? Yeah. They, and yeah. and Wol- uh, the Wolverine, of course, is an X-Men, and he's got um, sideburns and knives instead of fingers. Yeah, and there's one who can... Dis- um, can... Um, can... Tran- can... What's the word I'm looking for? He can make himself become a point of energy. Isn't there one? Isn't there out. one that um, point himself up? Point himself up. Isn't there one that um, um, can jack off quicker than anybody else? Yeah, I mean, there's one who can dematerialize and appear somewhere else. Yeah. Now, now this dot that I have in my eye. Please right? get to the question, Martin. So I want to get Guy in no, before we I'm let the professor go. I'm asking the question. Okay, so how, taking ten minutes. Quick. Okay, right. The question what is, is the question. What, yes. what, what, well, what would you like? What would, what power would you like would mankind like? to if have you, now? Joe, Professor, if you were, what? if you were a member of the X Men, which one would you like to be? Jacking off. Okay. 
Uh, we've got time for one more call. Let's go to Kai. Good evening, Kai. Good evening. Kai, you're through to the professor. What would you like to ask? Do you understand me? I'm just yes, testing I do, this out. Yes. Hello. Are you from this world? Yes, I am from this world in the UK. You could be lying. I, I don't know. Okay, let's let's go. Kai, what was your, what's your question to the human. professor? Because we're all keen for him to to put the phone down and send us a picture of an alien. Um, I know an alien film. Right, it's called uh, E.T. Yes. Yes. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen E.T.? Answer the question, Professor. Did you cry? Yes, I did, and that's a lovely way to finish it. Kai, Uh, I hope that answers your question, Kai. waste of my time and yours. Okay, does that answer your question, Kai? And did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy E.T.? Yes, I did. Thank you, sir. That's great, Kai. Kai, does that answer your two questions? Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Did you Thank cry, you. Kai? Um, I cried a lot, like this. <laughs> what do you think of Chinamen? Do you think that they're possibly aliens, Kai? Yes, they are aliens out there. Thank you very much indeed, um, Professor. It's uh, yes, a, a, a pleasure as always. The book coming out um, soon: Alien Invasion, Dawn of the Hybrid Super Species. And if you can. Um, Get me a picture of those aliens. I'll tweet it out. I'm going to send you a picture now. Beautiful. Thank you. Jo- Professor, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, okay, the show continues apace. 0344 499 Late Nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. Late Nights, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. <clears throat> Isn't it funny? Uh, I had no idea... How tonight was going to go. I thought we'd have Louis on. Louis and I have been chatting on Twitter openly. And we had a few conversations in private as well. A few DMs and a few, you know, kind of mutual appreciation society. And also he stuck up for me um, a few times in a very, very sweary way that I never could when I was um, getting trolled by a couple of ex-radio presenters. Um, And I think he's very, very funny. I think he's a really good man. He's a good man. Um, and it just took, cause I saw him tweet, someone retweeted, he's also quite a modest man. Someone retweeted the, the, the tickets for the show that he was doing with Neil Shad. I'd love a coffee, by the way, please. I'd love a coffee if, if, if Ed's going off. Um, and I, you know, when you see a tweet and I didn't, it didn't really register with me and I looked at it and I thought, well, it's Hull, I can't do that. And I think I'm doing an, an Ian Lee versus radio that night. So I, I couldn't go anyway. Um, and I just, oh, this will be a perfect opportunity for to, for me and Louis to speak to together, and, and you know we haven't actually spoken in this weird world where people communicate via Twitter. And it'd be nice to plug his show, and we'll have a chat, and he'll come on for twenty minutes, and that'll be that. I really didn't expect to be talking to him for the full hour, and I could have spoken to him for the whole show. We'll get him on again because I, I have so many tweets. We'll put it out as a podcast tomorrow. So many tweets as well, and I think that this is what late night radio is for. Right. This is what late night radio is for. It's just nice, relaxed conversation. There doesn't have to be a ruck every single time. There doesn't have to be an argument. There doesn't have to be an angle or an edge. I was genuinely interested in what he had to say. And it, it tied in a lot as well with the conversation, some of the guests we've had recently, Tommy Cannon and Bernie Clifton last week. Um, and I really do recommend, if you're in Hull or near Hull, uh, and you've got the chance, it's eight quid. What can you get for eight quid? A night out for eight quid. 
absolute brilliant, brilliant evening. I really recommend you go. And if you do, um, you get a chance to have it, say hello to Louis afterwards. Mention that you heard him on the show. Um, but I, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. And um, uh, more stuff like that. I guess what he's doing with that is kind of sort of what we're trying to do by getting people on like Tommy Cannon and Bernie Clifton. It's just just acknowledging their work and, and, you know, saying thanks. Thanks very much. So that was good. Really enjoyed that. Um, and then the professor stuff. Isn't it, isn't it funny how, well, look, Martin's called back in. Evening, Martin. Hello, sweetheart. I'd like to say that professor's a bit aggressive, isn't he? You know, is that, is that his natural, his natural ambience? I mean, you know, because... I could have spoke, I've spoken a lot about these things in the past, and I could have told him a story about 25 years ago when I saw another planet. Um, what it was is, I had this spiritual encounter yeah. where, where I saw this angel. Yeah. And after seeing this angel, I went into the park to calm down after seeing it. Yeah. Then I looked towards the, um, the eastern skies and suddenly a world appeared. What? Now this planet... Hang on, whoa, just... hang on a minute. So it's gone from you sitting in the park to calm down to you, you look towards the eastern skies and the world appeared. Oh, and, yeah, a world. Now the thing is, this planet was just like ours, yeah. but it had an or- orange ozone layer around it and then about 10 years after i was going to tell james will about this um, phenomenon that i encountered yeah. but i said to myself well i won't bother tonight and then james will had a guest who came on and he said thousands of years ago people had reported seeing a planet with a golden ozone layer around it now coincidence of coincidences i mean how could that be a coincidence you know and because I told you the, the other night that my hobby is creating a universe for me for, for my future life after this one. Yeah. Um, I said to myself once, right, I'm going invi- to visualizely put nine UFOs in the sky, anywhere, in the, anywhere yes. around the planet, and somebody will see these nine UFOs. Yeah. I'm going to have them co- combating, shooting at each other, yeah. and then when I get, somebody will tell me that, and it could be on radio or television, then I'll speak to my uncle one day, and he said oh. to me, oh, I went to a UFO conference, and yes. somebody stood up, and they reported seeing nine UFOs shooting at each other. Now, I've been telling this, and what it is, people, scientists now believe there's a theory called Oh, this is what Noel Edmonds was into, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So this... this You write on your hand you want a a thousand pounds, a a packet of snouts and a dolly bird, and you get them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this professor, you see, he needs to calm down, you know, it's little stories like these that matter. It's not these big scientific knowledge of of, of fantastic words. People who have little stories... Them are the ones who are important, but he's I agree, so I agree. In, his, in his professorship yeah. that he, um, he believes that, he, you know, you have to... He, 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 he does have to... an air of superiority about his yeah. ambience. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Anyway, darling, I hope, um, you know, but as I say, there is, um, there is more to life than, you know, umping women and going to watch football. And But you've got to balance that... it. You've got to balance it, haven't you, really? Because a lot yeah. of people don't find balance in life. No. I mean, you know, because um, there's a lot of people who know stuff like this, but then when you tell other people, like him, you know, you think that you're taking the mickey out of him or, yeah. or yeah. you're talking nonsense. So, 
Anyway, I just like to say that the man needs to cool down and um, and relax, you know, thank you, and, and take on. Well, know, take on. Thank you, Martin. I appreciate. Thanks I appreciate that. You have a nice evening, my love. Okay, take bye, darling. Bye, darling. Bye, bye, sweetheart. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Um. Yeah, feel free to call in. Oh, by the way, let me, I should just say, and I can never remember um, this. I want to get this gentleman's name right. Hang on a second. Tomorrow, Miles Johnston's coming on. Do you remember Miles? He talked about the Nazi bell. Um, we had him on before, and he spoke. Um, he was, it, it, kind of similar. Um, it's kind of similar conversation um, that we had with Joe. So Miles Johnston's going to be on tomorrow night at ten o'clock. Um, yeah, so that's something to, uh, to look forward to. Um, so you can call in the way the, the, the show works now for the next hour and a quarter is, um, I sit here and I'll go through the papers. We'll invite Kathy in a bit and, um, you can call in about the stuff that you've heard or you can call in about anything you want, really anything that's bothering you, anything that's on your mind. Um, I know, I know I don't want to make, I don't want to make light of the storm because I know I know at least one person lost their life. So I wouldn't want to, you know, in any way uh, kind of demean that. I don't know the full story around that. I just heard the headline. Um, but you could, I, I'm quite happy to get storm stories today because only because I went out and took the dog for a walk and she got blown backwards. It was hilarious. The dog got blown backwards. We went out, and our kind of front door is shielded a bit, and we went out into the street. She got blown backwards. It was the funniest thing. Wasn't it windy? Hey, wasn't it windy today? Oh, it was windy today. I loved it. I loved it. You can give us a call about that if you want, or I'll just sit here and go through the papers. I don't mind. 0344-499-1000 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Late Nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Late Nights, Ian Lee. On air and off the On Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Oh, I, I, do you know what I think is quite sad? That um, we're only seeing Andrew Ridgely because George Michael died. Now, what I mean by that is, I, fi- I find Andrew Ridgely fascinating. And, of course, he was at the um, the Brits last night, and there's pictures of him in all the papers. Um, uh, you know, obviously, part, paying tribute to his mate. Uh, and that is, re- and I think it's really sad that that's, you know, I don't, I don't think he wants to live a, a life in the spotlight. As um, uh, Dredge sent me an email saying, I wonder what um, Andrew Ridgely does all day. And I do, you, you do have to wonder how he would fill his days. But um, I think it's sad that um, first time we see him in years and years and years, it's, it's because his mates passed away. So, um, anyway, uh, late nights with Ian Lee. If you've got a Rage Our Diary ticket now, guys, we need the ticks for crying out loud. The, um... Oh, gosh. Um, the professor has just sent me a picture, a diagram of alien and monkey offspring. Um, I'm not even sure I can tweet this picture. Um, I'll, I'll tweet it. For, I've just been sent a picture from the professor. Diagram of alien and monkey offspring. Um, bear in mind, it is a scientific diagram. So it, it, some people might consider it not safe for work. Um, I'm going to tweet that now. Hang on a minute. Let me just copy that. I'm going to put his... These blooming phones are rubbish, aren't they? Really? Diagram of alien and monkey offspring. Hang on a minute. Let me speak to Dennis while we're doing that. Evening, Dennis. Good evening. What you got for us, boss? Well, this morning we got up and a large piece of fascia panel from underneath the tiles... Yes. 
of somebody's house, a big white piece, 15 foot long with clips on there for the drainage system, yeah. lying in my garden. So I don't know where it's come from. It's nothing to do with us. Oh, you don't, you don't recognise it at all? No, no, it's not. <laughs> it might be some of my next door neighbours, but they've been out all day and I can't get hold of them. So I'll catch, catch them in the morning. Yeah, it's about, I say, it's very heavy. I had a hell of a job with my crutch messing about trying to lift it. Sorry? You know, I have, a, have, a, have to walk around with a crutch. Now. Oh, you mean you, like a walking stick? I thought, sorry, I thought you meant you, 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 well, you yeah, bent down and your, your wanger went. That's all. That crutch. Well, I've got to be careful there. Yeah. yeah so. um, it, I, I do, and, and listen, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I am aware that at least one person has died as a result of this. So I'm not in any way making light. But, 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 oh. but. I do like a good, uh, I've just tweeted that picture, by the way, and I think Ed and Catherine have just seen it. Um, yeah. I do like, I do like a good, um, I was going to say, like a good blow, I don't mean that. I like it when it's blowy. I enjoy it. I enjoy walking around being buffeted by the wind. Well, I've got to be careful. I, I, I went out on the on the grass with my walking stick and I nearly fell over. Yeah. Because it's, it's not safe under my feet. I'm all right when I'm on concrete or in the house. Yes, but... well, you be careful. Exactly, you be careful. Don't worry, is... I'm working towards that 30 quid. Mate, it's not, your birthday's in May, isn't it? I know. Easy money, buddy. Easy. Just send me a picture of your wife so I know who to approach at the funeral. Oh, you, you, you spouted it on telly the other night, on the radio the other night, so I've got all these witnesses. Yeah, yeah. well, no, actually, not anyway. that, not that many witnesses. But Dennis, lovely to talk to you, mate. Let's go to, um, Cleo. Evening, Cleo. Uh, why did look the phones have gone mental right i've got calls stacked up right where were you yesterday you bastards where were you yesterday when i was having to fill <laughs> watching you squirm uh, well no fair play okay i can understand that i can understand i've just tweeted the um picture um i've just tweeted the picture that professor joe lavens has sent me um, oh, lots, yeah. of, lots of people doing that emoticon where it's he's laughing, but there are tears coming out of the eyes. So mixed emotions, oh, I think so that means. It's borrowed penis. What's oh, got six fingers? Is it? Let me have a little look. I didn't. I didn't count the number. Yeah. Has it got six fingers? One, two, three, four. He's written on there six fingers. Oh, he has. Yeah, he says he's labelled it. Um, anyway, so, yeah. Do you know what? Doris was pop up here. Well, well, where was it? Where was it um, blowing hardest then? Because it was it was windy where I was, but it wasn't like you know blowing bins in the air or knocking trees over. The, uh, everywhere, apparently, else other than there's a. If you look at the, I think I sent you a picture earlier. Yeah. And literally, because we were sitting here up north, all on Facebook and yeah. social media, going, "Oh, there's a big storm coming!" Because we don't get much entertainment over here, yeah. and. Uh, and I like I like that when nature spunks. Yeah, I do. A bit. I do. I do. I like that. And so it was like, ooh. So it went sort of cloudy and rained a bit. Yeah. Stopped. And that was sort of it. And then I went on the news and all hell's breaking loose. London's like grinding to a halt and all that stuff. Well, is it? I mean, I, got, I, I, I drove in later than normal because I was waiting for my wife to get back from work. And I know that she had trouble getting out of London... But when I was driving into London, the roads were empty. It was beautiful. Odd. I don't know. It's where, where... Okay, let's try... We've got an hour and ten minutes. Let's find out where Doris was blowing hardest. Because... (laughs) (laughs) There's no way around making it sound vulgar, so we might as well just dive headlong into the innuendo. Because I, I... 
I, I haven't seen any real evidence that it was actually that hard. Well, Doris sucked up here. Did, yeah, well, there, there you go, you see. <laughs> Cleo, thank you for that. Um, I do, uh, I do wonder, because it, 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 it was windy where we were. But it was just very windy. I know the kids weren't allowed out at lunchtime because they were worried it was going to get um, a little bit crazy. Um, but um, yeah, where where was it? Uh, where was it the hardest? The Midlands. It's always the Midlands. The Midlands. Tracy. Oh yeah. Hey Tracy, how you doing? Yeah, Doris is bad here in the Midlands. It um, was bad there, was it? Yeah, that young that girl who died. She's from my hometown, like Wolverhampton. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? It does. It, it, it yeah, is I can't sad. Stop thinking about it. No, really. I know. It is sad to think that, um, you know, the way that we are, we are slaves to Mother Nature. You know, they've people lose their lives in things like this, and it's very, very sad. So I'm, I don't want to yeah, make. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether Starbucks will be at fault. Because things I've heard, it was a, a table. What hit her? Is that what I don't know? I don't know. I don't. I don't really want to d- dwell on it too much, you know, because we don't know the story and the family's grieving. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll I, th- I think these things get put down to an act of God. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. So was yeah, it was it, 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 it windy in your what, what what happened in your street, Trace? It was just really really windy. Did I you mean, go out? The two cats. They just went, went and hid most of the day. Did the cats blow off? Yeah, they flew off. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was really bad in the Midlands. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel I've missed out ever since. Someone posted me a picture of a, um, uh, a wheelie bin flying in the air. That, it, uh, yeah, I've seen that. Is that possible? I showed it to my boys and said, oh, this is what's happening in other parts of the country. But is that possible, a wheelie bin actually? Because those wheelie bins, I can't even wheel those wheelie bins. They weigh a tonne. Not one of them. Um, empty. Well, they're still, like they're awkward. They're, they're, they're awkward to move when they're empty. Yeah. Yeah. And trampolines as well. They've been flying about. Not re- not in my street, but I've seen it on the news that a, a man moved his car. Yeah. And he's just got in the house. A trampoline landed where he parked his car. Flipping heck. Imagine that. You'd be, moved it, yeah. You would be gutted. I told you the last big storm about nine years ago, a roof blew off onto the car I had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, in Wolverhampton, a couple of the um, main routes in and out of Wolverhampton have been shot because of dangerous buildings. If any, and, has anybody who's listening to this, I'd love to be... Have you ever been in your bedroom, right, and there's been like a big storm and a, and a tree or something? Basically, has the roof of your bedroom and your house collapsed so much that you can see sky through it? Because I'd like I've that. I've never had that, no, no. I'd love that. Be in bed and a tree comes crashing down and you can see out. That'd be awesome. I mean, it'd be a pain, it'd be a nuisance, but that would be pretty groovy, wouldn't it? I don't think I'd like it. No, actually, now I say it, it would probably be an. It would be an absolute. Think of the kids; they're scared. They'd be yeah, your yeah. two boys. Yeah, they'd be scared, but then they'd find it funny. We had a great. I took the boys out Sunday to walk the dog because she's not been out for a long walk for a while because we've all been busy in it a bit. So we took her out for a long walk, and um, we had a lovely. What's her f- name? Lara, and we, I'll bring, oh. I'll bring her in again soon, I brought her in once, I'll bring her in again soon, um, oh, she's getting a bit fat, um, uh, we had a lovely 40 minutes with the boys just climbing, tra- climbing this tree, we found this really good tree near where we live, um, and the boys were just climbing it, and then they said they needed to go to, for a wee, and I said, we might as well do it while you, you're up in the tree, so they're weeing from the top of the tree, oh, they were in, they were in heaven, 
they were in absolute heaven. Huh? Has Lara been spayed? Lara has been spayed, yeah, and that's... You that's put, probably they, why she's a bit chunky, they, eh? They put on a bit of weight when they do that, don't they? You've got, you've got to cut yeah. down their food and exercise them more. Yeah. But, Might uh, just good exercise for you as well, though, isn't it? It is, it is. I like a nice long walk over over the woods around the, the, the uh, fields. But, um, getting that dog was, was the biggest mistake I've made, I think. I love her and stuff, and she's... Get this, right? So they're a lot more work, my dog. They're a lot of work. It's like having a toddler. She's going to be two in June, right? She's, she's about eight, eight, 20 months, right? She's only just worked out how to play fetch. <laughs> Is that normal? Literally this week. I don't know. This don't week, know. she's just, look, but only indoors. If you play it outdoors in the garden or on a walk, she just follows the ball, then walks past it. Indoors, she's just started. You throw the ball, she brings it back. Stupid I've got a cat that plays fetch with um, rolled-up foil. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my cat don't do now. Listen, I've got to move on, Tracy. Um, 03444991000. Yeah, is that normal? So the dog's 20 months old. She's only just worked out how to play fetch. I'll bring her in again one day next... Uh, maybe not next week, the week after. Maybe we'll um, we'll bring her in. Another hour to go, dear listener. You can call in with your storm stories. I'm going to sit here and go through the papers. You can phone up for a chitty chat. Anything you want. You know the rules. Um, let's try and keep it light-hearted for the last hour, shall we? Shall we? Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You phone up, you speak to Kath or Ed. They'll take your name and your number. And they'll give you a call back. And then you can come on the radio. It really is that simple, guys. 0344 499 1000. Late nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. There's a voice that keeps on calling me. Down the road is where I'll always be. Every stop I make, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again. Maybe tomorrow I wanna settle down. Until tomorrow I'll just keep moving on. Down this road that never seems to end. When you adventure lies just around the bend. So if you want to join me for a while Just grab your hat, come travel like that's old style Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down Until tomorrow the whole world is my home So if you want to join me for a while Just grab your hat, come travel like that's old style Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down Just keep moving on There's a world 
Boyle's in the studio. Yeah. Evening, dear listener. Um, 03444991000. I forgot we've got Dave Mason coming up. I said so in a trail, so we must play it out. That mm-hmm. is the law of the land. Dave Mason, of course, um, was in traffic, recorded a brilliant album with Cass Elliott, um, recorded loads of solo stuff, was in Fleetwood Mac for a brief period, um, played with, Cla- played with, played with, he's, he, he plays guitar on, um, Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. Do you know what I mean? Flipping it. Uh, it, I'm going to be honest, it's, um, <laughs> it's, um, I don't know which word to use, clunky? No. No. Dry? No. no. He's obviously a very shy and private gentleman, and um, um, being interviewed does not come naturally to him, so it was a little bit, um, st- the conversation was a little bit stilted, but I think he, I think he enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and you know it is what it is. We're going to play that um, before the uh, the end of the show this evening. Good evening, Kai. Good evening. Where in Doris was it bad, right? Yes. At Norfolk Carey, because we were a bus tippled over in the field. A bus tippled over. Yes. Did you get blown um, off? Apparently, I wasn't on the bus. No. Other people were. Yes. And um, some trees are uprooted, and my uncles and aunties' fence are blown down. Ay, ay, ay. They had some power cuts up there as well. It was odd. It over in Norfolk area. I miss a good, a good um, late evening power cut about seven o'clock when it's dark. A power Definitely. cut. Yeah, love it. Did you remember nineteen ninety nine and that power cut? Um, oh, do you know what? 1999, I think I was in America when that... Uh, that's when, like, the whole country blacked out, didn't it? And they, yes, it did, yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember we were in New York, and me and my girlfriend at the time, and we were flying back and we saw the news that, that basically London and mo- a lot of England had blacked out, and they were, they were talking about how there's, that there's only ever about three days' worth of energy stored up. Right, so d- d- if if the no more energy were produced, we've got three more days, and that's kind of how it works. But they'd run out of energy, yeah. And then when we flew back, and then New York blacked out for a few for a, a few hours as well. It was it was worrying. T- I do remember that guy. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, yes. No, I do. Yeah, you I do. don't. You don't. Catherine no, doesn't. I don't. Um, maybe I was asleep. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's um, that's mm. possible. Hey, Kai, um, we've spoken a long, long time ago. At, yes, at, at, we have. When did? How long have you been listening to this show? Just today. Beautiful. I knew about it. How, how, how come you just found out about it today, Kai? Because I've seen it on Facebook. Oh, beautiful! What? Yeah. Now, where, where, what did you see on Facebook? Talk radio, and you was on it. Hey, that's all right, isn't it? That's good to know. Yeah. Um, all right, nice one. Well, it looks like the advertising, uh, of talk radio on Facebook is paying off. Yeah. Nice one, Kai. I'm glad you found us. Give us a call any time, mate. Of course, all, yeah. Cheers with this. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. Uh, 03444991000. Yes, Ray? Good evening. Good evening. I was one of the few people who actually bought Andrew Ridgely's solo album. Well, was it the son of... Son of Albert. Son of Albert, Andrew. I was just saying, Catherine, when you, you, you popped out, that um, it's nice to see Andrew Ridgely, but it's sad that we're seeing him because his mates died. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I've always had a soft spot for Andrew Ridgely. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and I'd, I, I'd like to see more of Andrew. It sounds weird. I'd like to see more of Andrew Ridgely. I just think it's sad that the first time I've seen him in years and years and years is because he's going to make a speech about his, his, you know, one of his best friends dying. I think that's really, really sad. And Dredge emailed me today saying, 
I wonder what Andrew Ridgely does all day. What does he do all day? He isn't he's still in the music business, isn't he? But I think he's um, a producer. Producing what? All the people's records. Okay. <laughs> do you know what he does, Ray? Um, well, after he spent a short while in the music business, but after that failed, he went into I think it was Formula Three driving. Yeah, he did that for a bit. Oh, but judging from this photo, it looks like he's um, become a Pakistani as well. I know. Yeah, it's, it's a strange. He does look going. a bit like Art Malik. He does. On Saturdays, yeah, yeah, he does. He really, really does. I, it's um, uh, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because we've not we've seen George Michael age. We've not seen Andrew Ridgely age. I think I, I'd love. This would never happen, because I get the impression he's a very private person, but um, I'd love to have an interview with Andrew Ridgely. I'd, yeah. I'd love a chat with Andrew. I'm mm. guessing at the moment he'd be turning things down because he knows what oh, the yeah. would be. But... Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, yeah, cause... that's not what we'd no, be No, 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 I'd, I'd want to know uh, um, about being a pop star, about... Uh, uh, the thing that fascinates me about pop stars, right, Ray and Catherine, is yes. I like the period when it starts going sour. Now, it didn't really go sour for Wham, because they, they split up at the peak of their powers. But I like yeah. it when they release a couple of albums that, that don't get in the top 40, and, the f- like, the five years after the band splits up, or the five years after their pop stars, before the resurgence, the inevitable resurgence, and they're, they're sort of lost in the wilderness. It happened to the, to the Monkees, the, the Beach Boys. They didn't split up, but they had, they had a good few years in the 70s when they were nothing until the greatest hits came out. They, they couldn't even draw 200 people at a concert at one point. And I just find that period of pop, the, the, when, when, when they're over the peak and they're just coming down the other side. Yeah. I love it. It's like the moment they take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when uh, George Marker released Careless Whisper? I'm, I'm sure that got people worrying that they were splitting. Um, well, he did it solo, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, uh, only in 84. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's, um, and I get, and I've been snarky before about when Take That split and they had, like, helplines and stuff. I get it. No, but I get it now. I get it. Teenage girls predominantly, predominantly, because, because I'm, I'm, I'm involved with this monkeys fandom and I'm also, there are some, some women the, I've been following there. There's a young lady called Psycho Jello on Twitter, and she writes really passionately about why pop music is so important to young girls and young women, and yeah. how it's a different relationship to men. And a lot of pop, like the Beach Boys and the Monkees and the Beatles, have been overtaken by by me, by middle aged men who know what guitar John Lennon used when he was, um, or George Harrison used when they were recording Taxman. Of course, it was a, a, an Epiphone casino. But, you, you know, and, and, and the actual joy, the spirit, the, the, the life force that is pop is predominantly teenage girls and young women. Yeah. And it's it, reading what she's had to say about it is, is I'm not quite got it because I'm a 43 year old white man, but I'm getting it. There is a kind of. There's a sisterhood and a power. The women, yeah. the girls have the power. Yeah. And that's the way they feel, and they got kind of band together. My sister was massively into Take That. Yeah. She would have been one of those girls who and was And I distraught. get it. And I get it. Having read people like Psycho Jello, uh, Meg, her name is, I met her once when I went to New York. She's absolutely delightful. Um, but having read what she writes and a few other female fans, it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. And I get why Zayn leaving One Direction was actually, it was heartbreaking yeah. to these kids. Do you get why when they have a girlfriend, the girlfriend becomes the focus of yeah, the Yeah, I, 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 it, I don't completely same, get it. But it's I, that yeah. same power, but, yeah. it's, but it's gone awry. And the devastation when, when a band ends to a, a 13, 14, 15-year-old mm-hmm. girl, and slightly older, that is the end of their world, because they have invested yeah. so much emotion and passion 
into those four or five young men, and then when that goes, that goes, that, that, that there's a vacuum. It's like, it is like someone's died. There's a vacuum. Yeah. Now, of course, w- w- you know, we're in middle age and we understand, ah, it's just a band that's broken up and they'll still be around and you'll see them on reality TV and stuff. Yeah. But at that age, though, it is like someone's died. There's a vacuum is created. Also, you've got to remember that little girls are still being brought up this way but little girls were always brought up in with this kind of princess thing so yep. this idea that you know men in particular will laugh at that if he just meets me he'll sweep me off my feet and i'll be rescued and we're gonna i'm gonna end up married to this person oh. is ve- that's what it oh yeah exactly ray but that's what that taps into yeah. because that is the way yeah, yeah. little girls are still being brought up and certainly yeah. were when i was growing yeah. up uh, nice one ray thank you for that i might get meg on at some point she's a really good writer um, and, um, there's, cause it is, it's a really interesting thing and I'm, I'm starting to become more aware in that and there is amongst certain fans, there is a, um, jealousy, no bitterness, no, there's a resentment. There's a slight resentment that, 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 that pop groups that are made by young teenage girls uh, over time become taken over by white yeah. middle-aged blokes like me spouting facts and dominating because yeah, where were they back when yeah, yeah. the girls were yeah, following yeah, yeah. exactly exactly i mean imagine Probably being taking a, the mickey imagine being a you know a 43 year old monkeys fan in 1967 you get you know, you know exactly taking the mickey and speaking of which i have no idea who virginia blackburn is she writes for the express a column in express no idea who she is do you know do you have no. you ever no i don't think so listen to this this is the snidiest it's four paragraphs right go on this is the snidiest... I, I think there's a snide tone to it. You tell me. When we were young, we all knew someone who seemed to have a golden future. Gorgeous, desirable and popular. All too often, they attain their peak of perfection in their early 20s and after that, it all goes downhill. Look at David Cassidy. Back in the day, he was the biggest heartthrob in the world and everything was his for the taking. And look at him now. Alcoholism, bankruptcy... And dementia. Poor chap. There's a tone in there, isn't yeah, it? That's snide. Yeah. That's snide. Right, first of all, alcohol, alcohol, alcoholism is a disease. Exactly, she's naming two illnesses there. And dementia is a disease. Bankruptcy, oh, it's bad luck. But it's, also, probably, it's probably linked to that illness. And also, it, this is interesting, because he has been, he has, you know, it's been rumoured he's fallen off the wagon, but I remember when Glenn Campbell, before Glenn Campbell got diagnosed with dementia, he got busted for for drink, for drink falling off the wagon and drink driving and, and, and possibly doing cocaine again um, after several years of sobriety. And I wonder if that is... If it is, a, 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 somehow that's a reaction to the dementia. Whether it is a deliberate, God, I'm getting really confused, I don't know what's going on, I'm going to go back to the thing I know that's safe. Or whether it's despair. Or whether it's despair. Or whether it is the brain forgetting that you can't drink and do drugs successfully like some people can. Or whether that's the way that they deal with some terrible news. I don't know yeah. how conscious they are of what the prognosis is. Oh, well, look, well, but if but, someone told me I was going to die tomorrow, I'd go hell for but leather. But Campbell and Cassidy both fell off the wagon before the dementia diagnosis oh, I, I think and i wonder if it is somehow if it is the brain coming up with a coping mechanism or forgetting that you can't do drugs and drink uh, 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 in the same reserved way that so- other people can or or what i don't know what it is but i just thought back uh, back in the day he was the biggest heartthrob look at him now alcoholism bankruptcy and dementia poor chap i think that's so mean that's so mean I, 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 and I, I just think that's awful. I think, honestly, and I, I, 
I know I bang on about this. Again, you know, 43-year-old man who's, who's got a thing for a pop star. Those first four David Cassidy solo albums, right? Partridge Family, you get Partridge Family Greatest Hits, you've got, you got 20 good, brilliant pop songs. But those first four solo albums, I think they're wonderful, joyous, pop, light, fluffy, great tunes. It, I think they're brilliant. And I think he's a cracking entertainer. You can't have sni- you can't, and having a snide shot at someone because they've got dementia. Well, this is the thing, right? I thought that was awful. There that. is a there is a tendency to think that they're punching up because someone's had it all in their early twenties, yeah. right? I can't imagine how hard it must be. And this is going to sound like I'm a bit again. Ray would probably, but to have everything you've ever wished for yeah. at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, yeah. to be able to do whatever you wanted to. Yeah biggest curse you can get because there's nothing to work for anymore all Ca- you're going to crave is sensations and that's where the drink and the drugs come in cassidy obviously was a uh, a, a huge teen idol right and he, he he that wasn't the kind of music he listened to so he became a big star about 17 18 and he listened to like Jimi hendrix and hard rock and stuff and he, he did the partridge family stuff did the david cassidy teen idol stuff sold millions and millions of albums and he got a uh, rolling stone magazine the serious rock magazine said we want to do a piece on you and he was like, oh, hello. And they stitched him up. They stitched him up. They they kind of told him they were going to do a serious music piece. And I think he may have even done a nude photo for it. I think, as, as, as was quite popular in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And in the piece, he talked about how he smoked dope and how he liked Jimi Hendrix. And they did this new thing. And they kind of they, they took advantage of his openness because he thought this was going to be a mature piece and they they ripped him to so pieces what, they made it sound like he was being he was they made turning his like, back on what he'd been before they made him sound like a knob right. basically and 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 it destroyed his pop career and it destroyed everything you know i, I find him fascinating it, you can get his book he wrote a book you can get it for probably a penny on ebay and it is such a good read he writes with real honesty and openness and i know that um howard Kalen from uh, flo and eddie and the turtles uh, they're really good friends friends with him they sang on loads of his records the beach boys produced some of his later stuff Mm -hmm. um bruce johnston and um carl wilson carl wilson sang on loads of his records he did the first recorded version i think possibly the second but i think the first of i write the songs before barry manilow he's he's a cracking thing and to have a pop at him because he's got dementia how does that work Anyway, 0344 499 1000, Late Nights with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. The Wild Man of Late Night Radio is back. Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Um, also in this Virginia Blackburn uh, column, you, you, you pointed out Kathy's done a little bit of a dig at Tara Palmer Tompkinson well, as well. <laughs> what, what a nice woman. What a nice woman. Well done. And I'm, you go on Twitter and she turns out she's famous for... Being Having a, a pop nasty. at the, the the dead and the dying. I mean, really, what <laughs> what did you do at work today, Mummy? Well, there's this guy, and he was really famous in the seventies. He's a bit arrogant. Anyway, he's got dementia, so I wrote a piece slagging him off. All oh, right, yeah, nice one, Mum. Well done, Gosh. Ripley. Hello, hello, Ripley. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hello, how are you? Yeah. Um, I just want... I'm down to perform performance ring. I just need to be confirmed if that's actually oh, happening. Yeah, God, God, no, oh, you, not another one. No, 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 no. Ripley sent me an email. Um, I did, yeah. Yeah, no, you did, and I'm I'm, I'm totally sorry, because I've been... Me- yeah, and I thought I'd sent you an email earlier that's on. fine. Did I send Am you I an email? Yes. Do you want to be I'm, on? I'm, 
I do. I'm not a profession. I'm not professional. No, nobody is. is. Right? Yeah, no. Oh, Ripley, Ripley, I'm, I'm, and I know exactly who you are, and I shall introduce you to Catherine properly in a second. Uh, no, no, no. The point of performance ring on Sunday is none of them. Nobody's professionals, Ripley. Some will have done it. Some will have done it a couple of times. There might be a couple of. Um, People that have done it a few times and work the clubs. We've had people on before who've yeah. only ever done it on their own in their bedrooms. Yeah. Which oh, the, the, the magician. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. me. I've never done it. Beautiful. So. We've got Dana's performing. Um, Dana's the only repeat performer we've got. She, this will be the second time she's done it. Honestly, 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 Ripley, anybody who's coming down, and I'm sorry I didn't reply to you, and that's, that's I, I, fine, I, it's man, just that's been fine. a bit nuts. Um, anybody who's coming down to perform, um, the, the ethos behind Performance Ring is it is supportive. Um, I mean, we had, um, a fella that came on, I won't embarrass him by naming him, we had a fella that came on, and he was trying to sing some songs, and he's, he'd lost his voice, and he, he you know, he was, he, he was struggling yeah. to get those, he got nervous, and he flustered, and he forgot the, the, the chords and stuff, but everybody, that room was, a hundred people were Lovely. willing him on, they were Perfect. willing him on, no one was going, oh, brilliant, he's messed it up, when they he started were willing him When he started forgetting the words, on. they were singing it yeah. with him. Yeah, 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 so honestly, oh, Ripley, nice. and if, if, if at any point, you know, if you're on stage and you go, do you know what, this isn't working, I'm going, me, me and Kath will come up afterwards, there's no snide comments, there's no, what was that, there's none of that, it's, <laughs> it's love, Lovely. man, just it's come love. And, just come and have a go. Now. Yeah, yeah, what time do I need to get there, for like seven? Seven o'clock, please. I know the Bill Murray's in Islington, isn't it? Yeah, you don't you don't need any technical requirements, do you? No, I don't. No. It's just a mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if I've if I've emailed because I thought I'd emailed everyone. Anyway, don't matter. Now Ripley works yeah. at the Regent Street Cinema. Am I oh, correct? Yes. Yes, that's it. We're going to try. I wanted to try and do something this with is, you, the guys there. Yeah. This is that. This is that gentleman. Right. Now, here's the thing, Ripley. We've got a few things on at the moment that are kind of we're selling tickets for. So I don't want to. Uh, 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 yeah, of course. But but maybe in the summer, if that's Perfect. not too far ahead. Maybe in the summer because we've got the, the the performance rings and I've got a couple of Ian Lee's versus radios and I don't. I don't I, you know, yeah. I don't want to keep tapping people up to come and buy tickets. So maybe if we can come up with something really exciting, we can do something in the summer. And now I know where that. Now you've mentioned that cinema. I know exactly where it is and I walk past it quite a lot. It's really. It's the oldest cinema in the country. It's beautiful. It, the, I've never been in, but the outside of it is absolutely stunning. Yeah, we were it's looking really at the pictures. In there. Looks amazing. Yeah, it's lovely. Well, you're welcome to come down, guys, if you want, as I said. Nice um, one, And we'll organise something. We'll have a look for the summer. We'll do something. We, 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 we will definitely do it. It's, it's an offer too good to refuse, I'm afraid, so we'll, we'll be having some Perfect. of that. I'm sorry lovely. you had to phone in, Ripley. That's terrible. No, that's fine. I'm terrible. excited. I've never called before. I'm excited, and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Nice on o- Sunday. Sunday! <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> nice one, mate. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm, I'm, this is the most... Unprepared I've ever been Can for a performance Can you just shoot them room. all a, an email? Well, I did. I thought just, I did. Just, just to say. Well, I thought. Just I, checking you got my email, no, guys. No, I, I, I thought I did. Everybody, um, um, I thought I did. Uh, it's really tricky because I have to put it in the blind CC. Um, hang on a minute. Um, here we go. So yes, I, uh, who's that? That's Will. Um, um, just to double check. Ripley, I've sent. Ripley, I sent you an email on the thirteenth of February, man. You might have gone in his junk. I'll, sh- I'll go in his junk in a minute and <laughs> shove it up his backside. God damn it, Ripley. Um, yeah, so that'd be good. And yeah, we're, we're, we're going to think of um, to, to, to be offered a cinema, uh, the the oldest cinema in the country, and to it's screen beautiful. a film. Yeah, it, it's an offer too good to refuse. But I am aware, dear listener, that we we've got a few ticket things, and, and you know, and 
things are tough out there. Speaking of which, March the 26th, I think it is, we're recording the next Rabbit Hole. Some tickets for that. And also uh, May the 6th, our first one in Manchester. Ticketsource.co.uk slash Ian Dash Lee is the uh, website if you want it. Is that, have I got that right? I'm looking forward to the Manchester one. Right, I just hope we're I? not um, down there on our own. Well, we've, Up there, rather. We've, we've sold half the tickets for Manchester. It's a small venue, you know, I, 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 it's kind of a punt, because I don't know. I've never played Manchester. I don't know if we've got an audience there. If we were to play Edinburgh, we get an audience. But I don't know if we've got an, uh, an audience in Manchester. So, you know... We'll, we'll soon find out. We shall soon find out. And with all these things... Um, we had to nip off a bit sharpish after the last rabbit hole because I was really worried about losing my voice and I had to be up early to teach. But with all of these things, me and Kath stick around. If you've got pictures or things you want signed, you know, you are being kind enough to put money in our pockets. So the very, very least we can do is stick around and have pictures and answer questions and do all of that stuff. We love doing all that stuff. So you, that's, that's the end of that. <laughs> that's the end of that, dear listener. Um, let's take a quick break. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. If you uh, want to give us a call, you're more than welcome. Gosh, I feel a little bit awkward after that. Mm. I won't say on air, obviously, but I've just said um, well a message. It's a, it's a strange old world, isn't it? Oh, I feel I feel tingly and uncomfortable. Mm. Well, nothing we can do about it now. But um, yeah, okay. Oh, I feel weird. I feel really weird. I feel a bit lightheaded. Can we go on? In a minute. Oh, I feel I feel sick. Someone sent me a, 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 a private message on Twitter that has rocked my world. Everything's fine. No one's died. Um, but it's just made me question everything um, uh, that I, I believe to be true. Um, I think I'm coming off Twitter. <laughs> I can't I handle the stress. I think it might be an idea. I think I'm going to come Or take it off your phone again. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to. I can't handle the stress of that. Oh, God. What, what, what do I do? What do I do? Nothing you can do. <laughs> Let's press on. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Let's see what we've got in the Daily Star. Where is the Daily Star? I, I brought it. No, 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 no. Oh, there they are. There they are. Look, they're over there. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 there's not much in the papers there. We'll play Dave Mason in a bit. Um, men who work out too much in the gym have a lower appetite for sex. What is that? Does that mean people that work out and take a lot of steroids? <laughs> Must be. Well, they've a tiny... Uh, yep. they shrink. Why, why, why does steroids shrink the penis so much? Uh-uh. Why, does, why is the penis involved? Oh, I feel sick after that. I can't carry on. I feel really sick. I've got no idea how to reply to that. I just have to think. Can you tell me what to write? Yeah, in a minute. Oh, God. Anyway. I don't want to open the file. Sent me a file. We'll both with, open With we'll, evidence. We'll both have a look. Come on. Um, the average Briton... 
has a bus stop with their partner six times a month. What? According to new research. That's, is that all? It's bullshine. Not listening, saying the wrong thing, thoughtlessness and snoring are the main cause of 72 rows a year. You can't row with someone for snoring. It's not like they're doing it on purpose. And 10% of couples fall out over a lack of sex. But half of Brits um, agree spats are a normal part of relationship, according to dating website eHarmony. I, um, when I went to get my hair cut, I go to a barber's now. Mm-hmm. There's a young man that does it. I say young, he's 33. He's about my age then. He was telling me, get real. <laughs> he was telling me all about Tinder. Right. Flipping heck. He was working, um, I'm going to change the names of the towns, because I don't in any way want to identify it. Let's just say he was working in Newcastle, right? And as He's he, working through Newcastle. Well, as he, as he was getting the train up there, he's flicking through it, he's flicking through it, and he, 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 got, he, he got 12 people like him, so then he can meet, and he met this girl, and then they had sex, and then she went off, and then he was going to another town the next day, say he was, he was in Edinburgh the next day, and he went there and met some girls, and one girl super liked him, and, and, and he's, he's just, he's just having sex all the time. I said, flipping heck, man. He's, it's just relentless. But doing it on the phone. How is, how is, that's weird, isn't it? Well, Tinder is only ever going to be on, on facial appearance, isn't it? Yeah. So, what do you, what else do you think it's for? It's a strange... Not like you're going to meet your soulmate on there, is it? That message is, okay, uh, let me, that message has really discombobulated me. And I tell let me describe my friend. I've got, um, that nervousness in my stomach that I get when I know I've said something wrong on air and I'm going to get in really big trouble for it and it could potentially be a career thing. It's not what's happened, by the way, dear listener. I haven't said anything wrong on air or anything like that. But it's that kind of feeling, that dread and um, anxiety. The um, noth- and nothing bad will happen out of it. Um, but um, someone I really, really like a lot has just told me something about someone that I really, really like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I didn't know. Yeah. I wish I didn't know. It seems they're not the person you thought. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. And it's just made me... Um... It might be that their experience is completely different. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? People, um, we all have different experiences of different people. And, yeah. you know, and, and... I usually wait until someone screws me over before I... I my bog standard line is I take people at, at exactly. face value. Exactly. And... Um, uh, um, Sometimes it's good to know that they've got previous, but yep. I'll wait until they do it to me. But also, I've, got, I I've, judge. Got, I've got previous. Exactly. You know, I've got previous. And exactly, I'm and some people trying to might clear say, up my mess. Some people might say awful things about me. I'm sure I've not behaved in the best possible way in the past, and but that's not who I am now. Yeah. And that's not I, who I am to everybody. Yeah. And the way they see it might be different from the way I see it. There's, um, there's a brilliant book about Saturday Night Live, and in it, I think it's in that, um, Bill Murray talks about working with Chevy Chase. A lot of cocaine was involved in Saturday Night Live, a lot of cocaine and a lot of egos. And Chev- uh, Bill Murray says something like, it's a long time since I've read it, something like, um, everybody's allowed to become an asshole when they get their first flush of fame. You know, mm-hmm. you're young and suddenly you've got money and you've got drugs and you're on TV and you're being seen by millions of people. Yeah. Um, if you don't get over that, 
in the first three years and come back to being a nice person and you can be an asshole for the rest of your life. Yeah. And he points to Chevy Chase as being that case in point. Wow. Someone who, who suddenly became this big star, became arrogant and full of himself and didn't come back down the other mm-hmm. side and carried on. And I can, I can well believe it. I've read, um, um, you know, he's in community and Dan Harmon, who made that, hated working with him, you know, said it was, he was just an absolute nightmare to work with. But, Every time that person makes a new relationship, they have the chance to turn things around and they may yes. not be the same with yes. the next person. Yeah. So is it fair that that's held against them forever? What other people think of them? Um... So you might meet Chevy Chase and he's really, really charming <laughs> <laughs> and you end up being best buds. Yeah. But do you think, oh, yeah, but really he's an a-hole? Yeah. He might be different with you. He might be. Why are we talking about Chevy Chase? Because we can't talk about the other person. No, no names, no pack drill. Uh, uh, of course, this is the. Wor- this is even worse than I've, I. F- I feel worse than after the day that uh, after the night that Nazis and racists attacked me. Do you? Yeah, oh yeah. This is much worse, and that was bad. You know, the next, the day after I that, you've forgotten how bad that was. No, I'm talking about the, th- this week. The Nazis and racists attacked me. All oh, right. Not when when have they attacked me no, before? No, that's what I meant. You were pretty. It was really bad. That. Oh, I think I, I took too many pills. Though. I took a lot of pills. And I, <laughs> I, I did take way over my um, prescription. Well, don't do that again. No, 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 no. We we'll, won't we'll, we'll want to do that for a second. But um, but this feeling is worse than that. Well, let's see what we're dealing with. Let's see what we're dealing with, shall we, guys? Um, tomorrow, Miles Johnson, Johnston, coming on to talk about Nazi bells. Right. Is that what he's talking about this time? I don't know. I don't, I've, I just said, is there anything happening in your world? Yep. What day? What time? Is it GMT? So he's coming on at 10. Okay. Um, we've got Jill Gibson, mm-hmm. uh, who's the third mama in the Mamas and the Papas. Very briefly. Um, we're, we're pre-recording that. We'll see what we get out of that. We may get something. We may not get a lot. But I we'll, think she's going to be fun. We'll have a That's nice chat feeling. with her. There have been how many mummers have there been in the mummers and the puppers? Only three. No, 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 no. I would say five, because in the eighties, the mummers and the puppers toured uh, with John yeah. Phillips and Denny Doherty for a bit. Then Denny died. Um, and the other mummers were Spanky McFarlane from a group that was never big over here called Spanky and Our Gang. She was a, 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 a rotund lady. And, of course, Mackenzie. his daughter, Mackenzie Phillips, who she claims that John Phillips um, raped her. That book is something else if you haven't read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was... Uh, John Phillips is... Um, I mean, was a mess, you know, was a, was a, was a mess. He, he went... To, I think he went to prison for running prescription scams and stuff, you know, and a huge heroin addict. Um, and then... When Denny Doherty left, um, the other papa was um, that replaced him was um, Scott McKenzie, "Flowers in Your Hair." Oh. That guy, because because John Phillips wrote that song. Um, but imagine going to see the Mamas and the Papas, and it's it's just John Phillips and another fat lady and a daughter that he's having incestual relationships Ooh. with, and that bloke that sang they "Flowers." They didn't know in that. The... That wasn't a selling point. Well, I know. <laughs> I know it wasn't. You would. I mean, gosh, if they were playing near you, you would go out of curiosity apart from anything else, wouldn't you? Yeah. Of course you would. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. People go and see tribute bands. This is one up from a tribute band. Yeah, but if you watch a a video of... I've seen videos of those mamas and the papas. It really is... um, 
car crash. Oh, it's just, it's just weird. You know, it's a weird. And Michelle Phillips was still alive. You know, she's still alive, you know, and um, she didn't want to do it. Don't blame her. The most beautiful woman in pop, Michelle Phillips. No, no one comes close. Well. No one comes close. Mm. J-Lo comes close. Francoise Hardy. No, she no, was no. gorgeous. She was gorgeous, but she's no Michelle Phillips. Oh come on! No, 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 no. Michelle Phillips looks like uh, Mia Farrow to me, but with long hair. Yeah. Okay. Mia Farrow had long hair, and then she got her hair cut short, and Frank Sinatra went nuts. Um, <laughs> we're going all over the shop with this nonsense, aren't we? Um, let's have a quick break. Then, when we come black, we'll, when we come black, when we become black. When we come back, when we become black, when we come back, we'll be playing Dave Mason. Uncut after hours conversation for the up all night generation. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. It's been a good old show tonight. I thought last night's show, the first hour was great with the that idiot climber, yeah. um, Anthony or Egregious W and um, Chris Difford. Um, which was, was that, again, that, the Chris Difford interview, actually, similar to the, the, the Dave Mason one we're about to hear, in the, um, I get the feeling he does, he, he he's more comfortable talking about himself in song, yeah. as opposed to in conversation, because at the end, he really loved, he, he said, well, thanks very much, I'll come in if you want, um, which was, was above and beyond, you know, um, but Dave Mason played with Fleetwood Mac for a bit, played with um, Traffic and Steve Woman, played with Eric Clapton, friends with Jimi Hendrix. And also made this album that both of us have fallen in love with. Go and get it. You can get it for pennies on Amazon, right? Dave Mason, Cass Elliot. It's just this wonderful... I bought it thinking, oh, this, this no one really writes about this. It must be a stinker. It's an absolute joy. I promise you. It's just this sweet, sweet kind of um, lovely sort of folky pop album. Anyway, we had a bit of trouble getting through to Dave on the phones, but we did. Here's Dave Mason. Ah, oh, it's Dave Mason! What a thrill! <laughs> Honestly, man, me and my producer, uh, Catherine, are dancing around the studio with joy. It's such a thrill to talk to you, Dave. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. You were saying this is the first solo tour you've done of, of, of the UK. Is that right? Yes. That seems incredible, man, when you've been at it for you know, for quite a while, it's got to be said. Um, wh- wh- why why now? Why have you decided to do it now? Well, I've been trying to do something for, for a number of years, but this is the first time that, um, I've, that we've found somebody, a promoter that would actually bring me over there. So, basically, that's the reason. And, and what can we expect? So, if, when people are coming along, what sort of stuff are you going to be doing? Well, I'm going to do some uh, some of the things, obviously, from the early part of traffic. Um, and a couple of them, actually, well, one something that basically, I mean, like the low spark. I have I have a very a slow blues version of it. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, some of them are sort of uh, kind of stuck a little bit to the original. Some of them not. Um, and then I'm going to just do a little cross-section of my stuff from my solo career, which, which to be perfectly honest with you, since it's the first time I've been able to come over there, I'm, I'm, I really unsure about how familiar people are with or with or not so how do um, you do that when when you've when you've made so many albums as you have in various different groups as dave mason as you know how do you decide which songs you're going to play 
in a gig? Do you have all the albums lying on the floor and going, right, we'll do two from this, we'll, we'll, we'll do the first half of Alone Together? How, how do you work that set list up? Uh, mostly, I just pick things that are going to be... Uh, I'm going to pick, pick things that are actually going to be fun for myself and the band to do every night. Yeah. Um, if, I've got, if I've got to repeat stuff, then they better be fun for us to do. Um, and also, there are things in there that... Um, um, like things like look at you, look at me, or um, again that blues version of, of Low Spark. I have to leave things in there that have room for um, for for solo improvisation. I mean, those aren't the same, you know different pretty much every night. Yeah. So um, I have to leave enough stuff in there that keeps it fresh for us. Do you enjoy it's, it? It's a bit of fun to do. You know? I was going to say, do you enjoy playing live, Dave? I love playing live, um, and so do my band members. Um, I'm a little, a little um, reticent about the traveling at my age, but, but playing live, yeah. Well, this is it. I heard, um, I can't think of it was, I heard someone from a group saying they get paid to travel. They do the shows for free, but it's the traveling uh, is, yeah. is what they cash the check yeah. for. No, that's my, it's, I get paid to leave the house is what I get paid for. <laughs> I've got, Dave, listen, I've, I hope you don't mind me asking. My favourite, favourite LP of yours is that incredible album yeah. that you made with Cass Elliot. Oh. I think, I, think okay. it's a, I think it's a masterpiece. And I just wondered what your memories were of working on that record and working with Cass, who is an absolute hero of mine. Well, um, I got to know her when I first came, I imagine, in 69. Wow. Um, pretty much when I moved here, um, and I got to know her very well because there was actually a, um, a couple living at, at her house that I knew really very well from England, which I had no idea that they were there. Yeah. So out of that, I spent a lot of time there, and that's and sort of developed a friendship with Kat through that, and you know, sitting around and spending a lot of time there and making some music occasionally and you know somebody why don't you two you know do a recording together so it was like well okay well we'll give it a shot and see what happens so that's kind of basically how that happened cass is it seems to be the glue that Mm. and the common thread that holds so many 60s and 70s groups together whether it be crosby stills and nash or the birds or the the loving spoonful or you or whatever Cass just seems to just keep popping up she was a real uh, character i think well yeah i mean actually i always thought of her as a um uh contemporary sophie tucker Mm. she had a wicked sense of humor yeah and what a voice! Um, and of course, you've you, you've played with so many of those. Uh, Crosby and, and Nash, you played on one of their albums as well, didn't you? It seems it, that that whole era in the sixties and seventies in in California, it seems a very relaxed musical atmosphere that people would just be dropping into other people's sessions. Hey, there's a guitar. Can you go and play on it for us? Is that what it was like? Well, it, it was sort of like that, but it was like that in London. Right. You know, hence, the, that's why. Hence, I played on, you know, performed on some of Hendrix's stuff, and appeared on one of the you know, Beggar's Banquet, and you know, I did so many things back back in England, um, more so than than the U.S. I mean, a lot of the stuff was, but you know, 
there was was just a great. It was a it was a great time. I mean, I just you're not really thinking about it when you're there because you're living it. Well, this is it. I, yeah. I, I love the way that artists from that era um, are, are so matter of fact about. Well, you know, I played on um, I, I played on a Stones album. And I recorded, you know, as you did all along the Watchtower with Hendrix, and it's. Of course, you know, I, I'm sat here as a fanboy going, flipping heck. But of course, that was your life. You know, that was your job, wasn't it? You know, you, you, you just had these amazing experiences. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time, I guess. Um, I, I, I've been listening, knowing that I was going to talk to you, I've been listening to Alone Together a lot. Um, yes. The LP. And it's, I mean, it's absolutely mm-hmm. stunning. And it's, again, it's got some amazing people on it. Rita Coolidge, who I know was doing a lot of backing vocals at the time. Um, and Leon Russell, who sadly passed away last year. Um, yeah. w- what memories have you got of Leon? Well, Leon, I mean, I just, Leon was a very quiet, solitary guy, so I never really got, never really got close to him. I just, mostly it was, he just had a, just a very a great unique piano style. Yeah, um, and he was just part of those people that were around when I when I did that first solo album when I came over here. Um, Leon Russell, and Jim Gordon, Carl Regal, um, Jim Kautner. Um, I mean, they were just they were the they were the top. You know, they were some of the top session musicians in LA at the time. I um, interviewed Leon Russell about five or six years ago, right, when I was at a music station. No one else wanted to talk to him because no one knew who he was. And I went, I'll have him. <laughs> and it was, I'll be honest, Dave, it was the, he was in the room with me. It was the toughest 25 minutes I've ever had. You Like you say, <laughs> he's very quiet. It was one word answers. And I'm sweating. And he went. And I said to the PR people, I said, was that all right? And they said, we've never heard him speak so much. He loved you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was a tense 25 minutes, but apparently he enjoyed it, you know, and, um... Yeah, well, that's Leon. (laughs) Exactly. You had a stint as well with, with, um, Fleetwood Mac. I did, 94, 96. How did that, how did that come about? And was that fun or was it a weird time? Because obviously, you know, Fleetwood Mac, there'd been Peter Green and then there'd been Lindsay Buckingham and then there was kind of the 90s uh, version. How, how did that work? Oh, he's put the phone down. Don't ask him about Fleetwood Mac. Dave, you back? Hey. I was, I was worried yeah. I'd asked a bad question that you didn't... No, that no, was no, a dark no. period in your life. How no, dare no. he ask me about that? I'm off. <laughs> no, no, no. Go on, what was it no, like? It was Mick and I were good friends. We just... Yeah. Mick and I were just, you know, known each other for some time, and he just called me out of the blue one day and said, listen, I'll, nothing's going on here with Fleetwood Mac, and I kind of would like to put it back together. Would you be interested? And, and I was... Wasn't you know solo wise? I could pretty much, I suppose, do whatever I wanted. Mm. So I said, "Sure, why not? Let's give it a shot and see what happens." Um, and it was, you know, it was a mix of stuff. It was, um, I mean, it was great to do it. It was a little strange in the sense that I mean, Christine did the album, but she wouldn't go on the road, right? Um, and plus, and plus, Warner Brothers really never really never got behind the album that we did. And it's a strong little um, album, that. It's a good album. Yeah, there's some good stuff on there. 
but they never really got behind it. And you know, say la vie. It was it was what it was, and we went and did a little. Um, we toured the U.S. and the U.K. and, and Europe, and um, and then of course then they put back together the the you know Lindsay and, mm. and Stevie and went back to what they should have been doing. Do you miss? Do, do you think the music industry has changed so much that it's it's unrecognisable to you now, Dave? And do you miss the way it used to? It, 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 sound, it feels to me, having spoken to artists, it's a lot lonelier now than it was in the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s. Um, well, the, you know, the biggest, the biggest, I mean, the biggest change of all is the fact that basically as a songwriter, as stuff is the internet has just destroyed intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so there are no more record sales, and which is if you're just a songwriter, is there's 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 a there's your livelihood gone out the window. Yeah, so because everybody's just stealing everything. So well, pe- people, people, gone. why should well, there's, there's that theory? People go, well, why should I pay for anything? I want it for free. And you're right, it's like going into a record store and just taking loads of albums and putting them in your pocket. Well, it, well, it's like going in anywhere and taking you know clothes off a rack. Or yeah. Anything. So that's that, and there's not much you can do about it, unfortunately, because that's the way it is. And but that's that's the biggest change. There's no more record labels, but there's no more. I mean, the thing is, if you make a new record, there's really no way of really exposing it. Mm. I mean, terrestrial radio used to be a great format, um, and there used to be DJs. Uh, especially here in the U.S., mm. which are now gone for the most part. So the other part about it is that there's no way to... I mean, you have classic rock radio yeah. in the U.S. But classic rock radio just plays the same stuff over and over and over again. And they do not... You know, it's not like, hey, here's the latest from Dave Mason, whatever, or whoever. Yeah. You know, here's a classic from Dave Mason, and here's his latest release... You can go to DaveMasonMusic.com and, you know, get the new CD or whatever. Yeah. So that little scenario, which is probably the way it would be most advantageous to do, it doesn't exist. Mm. So eventually, I mean, myself personally, making new, making, I mean, the point about it is, is it costs money to make a record. And so to make a record is kind of an exercise in futility anymore for artists like like myself. But I I make new stuff at home. I have a studio. But I'll make CDs just to take on the road. Yeah. Um, with me. Um, and other than that, it's just come back to what, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing since I was 17 years old, which is standing on a stage and playing music, you know. Uh, that, that breaks my heart, you saying that, Dave, but that it's an exercise in futility. But I get it. I get it. Listen, um... I wish you the very best of luck with the tour. I'm sure it's going to be a huge success. And, you know, you're an absolute legend to me, man. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Dave. I, I appreciate you doing it. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Take care. Enjoy the tour. Talk Radio. Intelligent, organic entertainment. Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. 